Yep. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Enjoy Your State podcast. We do hope you enjoy your stay. It's the Michael Touch Review podcast of season two of The White Lotus. We are going to go episode by episode through HBO's White Lotus season two. I am your host, Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, how are you? Doing well, man. Confused as all hell about what new odd show you recommended for me to watch and binge to catch up for season two. So if you're new to Mangum Talks, we are a podcast network that reviews television shows and movies. We have done an awful lot of television shows in the past. We've done just wrapped up our coverage of House of the Dragon over on the Pot of the Dragon podcast feed. We've done Succession. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso getting a shout out in episode one. Yeah. Didn't two, watch it. Lotus. Didn't watch out it. Out of nowhere. We've done we've done Ted Lasso. We've done a bunch of Star Wars stuff. We've done a lot of television reviews. So if you are interested in any of that, you can go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks or go to MangumTalks.com. That is who is doing this review podcast for you. But the issue at hand, Spencer, is the White Lotus. So a little context for the listeners. I kind of picked this show for you. I was locked into this in episode, in season one. I was following it week by week. I actually watched the premiere like Sunday night of the premiere. I was locked into the show early on. You have just caught up. You binged season one, which you didn't really have to do, really, because it's a completely new episode story in season two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You've watched episode of season two, episode one of season two. I do not know anything about your thoughts about this entire franchise or this episode in particular. Spencer, what do you think? This was a show of where a lot of people, when season one came out, were recommending it. You were recommending it, like, dude, you've got to watch this show. And But nobody could explain to me what the hell it was or what it was about, other than it's still satire can't. about rich people. Yeah, I still can't. I still struggle with it. In our, in our intro pod to this entire podcast, you asked me to review it in one sentence, and I think I took a minute and a half trying to do the sentence. <laughs> Fair. And having watched it, took me about episode three to really get, oh, I get it. I can't explain it, but I get it. And I ended up enjoying it. It was a, It's a really interesting show. It's very much in the realm of awkward comedy. Like, 90% of the comedy is just awkward comedy. Oh, yeah. talking with each other. Which is so much your wheelhouse and so much not mine. But, I really got into the characters. It really got in the setting. I really got into the just weird, fe almost surreal feel that goes through all the character interactions in the show. To the point I'm going to miss a lot of the characters I got quite attached to in season one. Despite the fact I could count on one hand those of them that were even halfway decent people. Oh. oh, yeah, like like none, basically. I mean, yeah, they're pretty much all jackasses. And, like, the same thing, we're setting right up for it, right? Oh, I mean, this, the tone of this episode is very much like, you're not going to like these people, so buckle in. Matter of fact, Spencer, I might like the people on this show less than I did on House of the Dragon. And the people on House <laughs> of the Dragon are pretty shitty, too. Like, I think I might like the people less in this show. Uh, but one thing we're going to do is so we're going to do a recap. We're going to beat by beat through the episode, talk about the episode. Then we'll do our segments. We'll start with best line of the episode. I am God Emperor of that segment. Spencer, however, lovely vassal that he is, does mm. surprise, uh, does supply me with a lot of um, nominees for best line of the episode. Things and then ignored. we will do our. Yeah, I usually ignore his. <laughs> I usually select what he hasn't, hasn't picked as a nominee. Then we'll go into our new segments for this show. So, Spencer, here's what we're going to do. Best vacation partner. Worst vacation partner of the episode. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that's what we're doing. And then, because the first three minutes of the show informs you that at least two people die. At, at minimum, two people die. A, a we're going to do death. We're going to do death predictions for the episode. Uh, so at the end of the episode, who do we think by the time the season is over dies? And you have to pick at a minimum two. How does that sound for you? 
I'm looking forward to it. I have thoughts and theories already. All right. So if you're if you are interested in following the season with us, I hope you do. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. We have a lot of fun on our review podcast. You can just subscribe to this podcast and please leave us a comment or whatever. I know every podcast person tells you that, but the reason they tell you that's because it's important because we get up the ratings, we get up the rankings and people subscribe. And it's a, a load of fun when we have a good audience following and we can all be in conversation about the show. And I in particular think this show is going to set up for a lot of really fun conversation because you right out the gate. Is like, okay, start, start your prediction on who dies, right? And you know it's not Daphne, so right away, take Daphne off the board, and then you can just start your predictions. And we're going to get seven weeks of this, so we get seven episodes of it, Spencer. I'm looking forward to it. So Daphne is effectively our shame this season of basically the only one that we can guarantee is not being loaded on the plane. Yes, Daphne survives. That's what we know. Uh, yeah, we, and we did. We got the same thing last season. We got one person at the Hawaii airport. We knew that person wasn't going to die, so... It- uh, we could we can start the theorizing immediately as this recap starts. It, it, it's an interesting show in terms of watching the start of the season two, of where I can clearly see where the two seasons overlap and rhyme, which makes where they differ all the more interesting. Particularly as we're going to see with respect to the amount of involvement, role, and character of the hotel management, at least so far. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, Spencer, first question, please. Would you stay at a White Lotus? Let's just put it there. You've seen now seven episodes of White Lotus, six of season one, one of season two. Are you staying at a White Lotus? I am a sucker for a good buffet, and that the, the buffet at the wine at the wine White Lotus looked high quality. Um, I think I'd stay. I honestly do. Even though people continue to die at these things, they look nice. They look they, nice. They look nice. They look well managed. Uh, apparently, the staff will just openly lie to me, but I've always suspected about that about every hotel I've ever stayed at before. So it's kind of you nice expect to see that about every hearing. person you talk to. I, I've yet to be proven <laughs> wrong. <laughs> let's go. Let's do a recap. How about it, please? First, I love the intro. Straight out the gate, I, I like the intro better. I like this intro better for season two than I did in season one. I, I like the season I one like intro. I like it a lot. I like the intro when it goes to all, like, the basically these beautiful, majestic paintings, and then the music shifts, and you start to see the little, little vignettes of debauchery yes. all throughout it. It is absolutely fantastic. And by the way, if you like, if you're not a person who goes to art museums, like, and if you're not, that's cool. But, like, if you get there, if you, if you find yourself at an art museum and you're bored, do this exercise. Look for the little parts Especially like in um, impressionist stuff, mm-hmm. like look for the little parts where it's like, oh, that guy's ripping that woman's blouse off for no reason, <laughs> or that guy's stabbing a child. Like there's little shit yeah. in these paintings, especially in the impressionist era that are really funny. Uh, so huh. I love the intro. I, you know what, Spencer? Like the intro better than House of the Dragon. How about you? I never thought I'd get you to admit that. I thought you were too proud to admit that. But I'm- It's better. It's better. I, I thought it was distinctly better. I liked it better than the one even in season one. This, this seemed like it had more going on, really, and even went on longer and just in terms of exposing us to the culture of the world that we're stepping into. I did find the sudden little movement, like of eyes and everything else, very unsettling as the thing went on, though. Oh, yeah. It got, yeah, it started moving as you go on. You like you get, you get very, like, Van Gogh with it as you go, like you're, like, tripping balls or something. Um, so then we start, so we start the whole shenanigans at a beach. I watch this, especially watch this episode with the subtitles on because I'm trying to learn the names of all these people. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing that shows up in the subtitles is parentheses, Americans indistinctly shattering, chattering. Yes, I very much enjoy that. The, <laughs> among the first three characters we meet in the show, two are just the Americans indistinctly chattering. 
And we see a lady uh, talking to two other ladies. So the, the, the lady who is talking to the two newbies is Daphne. This mm-hmm. is uh, a character that we're going to see a lot through episode one. And she's talking to two people who just arrived in Italy at the White Lotus. And she's asking them, you know, you just arrived. She says, look, here's the quote, Spencer. The hotel is perfect. The staff is excellent. The food is amazing. And the wine. Oh, oh. You don't have to say anything about that, right? Italy mm-hmm. is just so romantic. Spencer. You're gonna die. They're gonna have to drag you out of here. (laughs) Oh, okay. We're going straight on the nose. We're almost mocking ourselves at this point. We've got the single member of a, we've got the single member of a couple alone on a beach with no explanation going, going off by themselves and now straight up telling the audience, you're gonna die. It's absolutely fantastic. Like they, they foreshadow to the point of satire. Like you, you described it perfectly. They're making fun of how much they're foreshadowing. Like it's just, it's so tongue in cheek. So we learn, uh, that this lady's named Daphne Babcock, who traveled mm-hmm. with three other people to the White Lotus. We don't see them in this scene. We see them later. She goes out into the water and she's going to do one last swim, Spencer. One last swim. You've done this before on vacation. Absolutely. The Sunday morning, you wake up, you do the one last swim. That's mm-hmm. always a nice thing to do before you get on the plane. And what does she see? Uh, a dead body floating next to her. <laughs> she As freaks one out. Does. She freaks out, runs back to the hel- the beach screaming for help. And then we see Valentina. Um, Let's talk about her hotel for a manager. Valentina, the hotel manager. Spencer, do you think she's good at her job? Let's just do that first question. Our, our only point of comparison here is Armand, who oh. many things you oh. can say. What? Yeah, I, I, Armand was tough. That was a that was a tough hotel yeah. manager. Um, I, I, mean, I think it's Armand, a, I think it's a favorable favorable comparison with uh, with Valentina so far. She, she, only favorable in the sense that we don't know we we have, we have a limited amount of time spent with her, and even that limited amount of time is not great. Armand was a lot of things to say about him, but at least early on, troubles. He, many troubles. But at least early on, he seemed like he cared about his staff. And seemed like he had a certain element of like human regret when he realized that he did did, did people wrong. A lot of that goes I'm not out sure the window. Val- I'm not sure Valentina has that. Yeah, because she right here walks she up to rips this guy, into Rocco. everybody. Here's the here's the quote, Spencer. I'm going to hit you with this one Please. probably fifty fifty more times through the course of this podcast. Why is your face like that? <laughs> <laughs> she she is so unpleasant to her staff. Her first moment meeting the worst. Where, She's tearing in their faces. She's commenting about whether they brought a big enough tray of uh, Prosecco (laughs) with everybody. Uh, She, honestly, when she meets the guests, she's not even polite to them. She's straight up mocking them. They're so fucking old. But that's that's like a kind of tongue-in-cheek thing about Italians, right? Because, like, I think their culture... Um, I think that's kind of the knock is that if you go over there and you speak to like Italians who, who can speak English and like try to engage with you that like their culture is so blunt. <laughs> you're like, oh, crap. This person just told me I'm just straight old or ugly or, you know, whatever the thing is. It, it, it seemed like Armin had a better, intera- better series of interactions with the, ver- the guests of the hotel other than Shane. At least so far, Valentina's. The initial impression she gave all the guests was them kind of just recoiling from her from what we saw. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be like going to her every morning. Like, hey, look, I I need the upgrade. Yeah, you know, like she sets the tone sweet. early. She sets the tone early that if you need an upgrade, you might need to talk to Rocco because you're not talking to Valentina. <laughs> oh, poor um, Rocco. He, we, I already feel bad for Rocco, and I've spent like eight seconds with the guy. <laughs> yeah, now he he might be high up on the potential death list as we go. So he says, um, "Oh no, he can't be. He's in the he's in the scene, so he doesn't." He die. is. Um, so he's, he's identical twin died. 
There you go. He says, one of the guests have drowned. She immediately says, you'd love this as a lawyer. Well, it's fine. The ocean isn't our property. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Uh, multiple guests are dead. Yeah. And, and she's like, what the, f-? here's the quote. What the fuck are you saying, Rocco? What do you mean other bodies? And he uh, just goes, uh, a few. A few? <laughs> so let's do it. Let's put it on the big board. How many people do we think are dead? Uh, three or more is my usual definition of few. I'm going to go three. I think three are dead. Okay. We, we have to predict three people are dead each episode. You understand that, right? Yeah. I, th- I think there's going to be three. I think it, Rocco already knew about two, and then one one just was just found in the water. That's my guess. So they look over the railing at the beach. They see the body being taken away. The guests seem um, like it killed the vibe just a tad, just, I would say. Yeah. A lot of people showed up for just their first day at the beach in Sicily. <laughs> You don't want to see a corpse. I mean, it's it's really crushing your groove. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Like, you get off, they hand you the Prosecco that you don't want. You, you would totally be Harper. I don't I don't think I need it right now. And somebody forced I'd probably force you to. And then you get out on the, the beach. It's your first swim. And then somebody corpse. who's been there seven days, seven days, lost her husband, comes up screaming, there's a dead body in the water. That's a good sign. It really doesn't give you the best read on the hotel. Here's the question. Do you tough it out another day, or does that just give you enough, uh, yeah. of, pers- enough of perspective? You're like, eh, maybe not the White Lotus for me. Fuck yeah, I'm staying. Are you kidding me? I would have to, like, How I would many have, to have the impression, I would have to have the impression that at least one of them are caused by some sort of, like, negligence on behalf of the White Lotus. Because that place is too nice to just bail because somebody drowned. Like, sorry, like, I'm uh, not leaving. Uh, five deaths in the first day. Would that be enough? Okay, I take it back. If five people drowned, I would assume... Well, actually, you know what? Just don't go in the water. Just stay in the hotel. You're fine. The water is drowning, apparently. So the guests um, hear a helicopter whirling overhead, sirens, uh, you know, making noise in the background. Then we see a seagull, and it fades to a ship. And the seagull gets used multiple times. I get the sense that the seagull is going to be a bit of a motif in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. It fades to a ship, and... Uh, we get the words one week later. So it's doing the exact same thing season Earlier. one did, which is there's a, the, 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 we have one person who is in our core group who's leaving. There's a death or deaths and whoop, let's rewind the tape to one week ago when everybody arrives and everybody's happy. Happy or at maybe least, in air quotes. Or at least, at least three out of four people on this, in this group are happy because <laughs> we cut right to Ethan and Harper, um, Ethan and Harper Spiller. And here's the thing. Okay. So, Please. Harper is played by Aubrey Plaza, who Play was in Parks Aubrey and Recreation. Plaza. And she was also recently in Emily the Criminal. If you haven't seen Emily the Criminal, you need to watch that. You don't need to do anything. But, like, Emily Criminal is really good. So I tweeted this from the Mangum Talks Twitter account that you know nothing about. I think that she was just created in a lab for as an actor for this exact role. <laughs> this is the most Aubrey Plaza role I've ever seen. It's perfect for her. Uh, remind me, what was the name for character in Parts and Rec? April. April. This is April grown up 15 years and you haven't gotten married. That's who this character is. And Harper, who seems like just a normal guy, is with her. And she's, uh, or no, um, Ethan, Ethan, who seems like just a normal guy, is with Harper. Harper seems irritated, obviously, perturbed about something. Then we see Cameron and Daphne Badcock. They are their traveling companions, or at least the people that they are meeting there to vacation with. And they are all over each other, Spencer. Oh, my God. Spencer, 
it, it just seems performative, you know? Like, it just mm-hmm. seems a little fake to me. It just seems a little fake. That's it, all I'm saying. This is you commenting on my girlfriend and I, you know, sharing a malt in the corner next to the jukebox. It's like, who are they showing off for? Ugh. Ugh. Then we also see possibly the most inappropriate man I have ever seen on screen, Bert DeGrasso. Along with his family, Albie and Dominic. Then we see um, Tanya, who, thank God we got Tanya. It's carried through. <laughs> She's she's here. This is the this is our through line with season one, season two. Tanya, Tanya who, apparent, who apparently is worth half a billion dollars, which I didn't really see that coming, is there with Greg, who she met in season one in Hawaii. And they are there in Italy vacation to, ostensibly together. Although in this first scene, Tanya talks about how Bert is not returning her text. I got to say, struggle's real. Sometimes your co-hosts don't return your text. I don't know. I have that problem, too. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Clearly, I was on a business. I was doing business, and you know, can't respond to things right away. Ah, you know, business, uh, business. Yeah. yeah, Spencer never responds to text. A couple of days later, sometimes. Then we see Mia and Lucia. I gotta tell you, I think I have a, a favorite character so far. Between me and it's, Lucia, it's Lucia. It's Lucia for sure. It's Lucia, hundred percent. She is. There's a lot a to like. Fire. I really enjoy this character. So Mia's listening to music and upset about some boy, and Lucia just basically tackles her in the streets of Italy. Um, do we have a, Do we know where they are? Are they in Milan? They, like, we where they're in Italy, are they? We know that we know they're in Sicily. That's Sicily, all. Sicily. That's it. Sicily. That's right. Sicily. So cool. they, yeah, they're in Sicily. So the streets of Sicily. Um, Mia basic basically is tackled by Lucia. She's telling Lucia's telling Mia that uh, she shouldn't talk about this guy. That the boat's Get here over and all that. That's all we know, right? Yeah. Cuts to Valentina and her crew. They're standing there doing the super creepy, super iconic Wave. at this point. White all lotus hand. Same hand. Same hand. <laughs> so, like, in a month, I'm going to the Game of Thrones con. I think you're coming with me. Let's say you come Try with me, best- Spencer. Mm-hmm. Let's say you do. And we get to the hotel, and they're doing the white lotus weird way. Gone. Gone. <laughs> Turning out, around. Out the door. <laughs> I might... You know what? I might leave... Because of the white white lotus weird wave, before a dead body in the in the in the water, I think the wave would creep me out um, more than someone drowning. I, I love that we've established that finding corpses at the beach and eh, somewhat creepy synchronized wave deal breaker. God, it looks like a horror movie when they're doing that. Like it's like something that like Keenan Peel made or something. Um, Good comparison. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Peel made. Uh, Valentina asked about the prosecco. I gotta say, Spencer unacceptably small tray of Prosecco. I absolutely am with Valentina on this. It's one of the things where Valentina is clearly unpleasant to her staff and that it's going to be, you know, increasingly grating on me going forward. Kind of with her. Nowhere near enough Prosecco for the people that are showing up. What are you doing? There's 10 people showing up here. You got four, four cups on a, a tray. Unbelievable. So from a distance, we see Mia and Lucia watching. Apparently Lucia is there to meet or see one person in particular, but she doesn't know which one yet. I called this as a prostitute very early on. Uh, yes. With very little evidence. It does. It, it turned out to be right, but I could have been wrong. But I, I, I like when they she were, was like, we're going to the dock to see them. I'm like, okay, that's a prostitute. Like, I, I, not because of any way she looks or anything, but like, why the hell else is she there meeting someone she has not ever seen before? I had no doubts whatsoever at any point. At the moment they were going to the docks to see a guy and they were wanting to see what he looked like, I'm like, okay, this is a hooker. I didn't so mean that in any way judging. They were giving every vibe, though, that that was the nature of the, of, of the relationship. 
so hooker is a derogatory term. Let's say prostitute, Spencer. I mean, what, my God. Would okay? you prefer, would you prefer working woman? Yeah, that's, there you go. Working woman. I, I'm telling you, Lucy, she's my favorite. So here's the question for you. This is just an honest question. Please. Did you have, did you have any idea that people get prostitutes on their vacations? Is this even something that crossed your mind? I was aware that this could be a thing. Yes. Okay, because it seems like the type of thing that would kind of like shock you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah. How about how about how about the fact that this guy clearly procured her services for the entire week? She's on retainer at this point. I mean, that's obviously outside of anything I'd ever ponder because that sounds like it'd be really expensive. <laughs> so, uh, expensive. Uh, too, oh, so expensive. Too, too much money, particularly on something that you know you haven't actually gotten to you know find out how it's going to be yet. But this seems like a guy that this is just the thing he does on vacation, maybe. I think so. And it seems like he wants just companionship. I mean, he clearly wants to have sex with her, but he does, he wants someone around. He, particularly in the conversation they have later, it almost seems more about just the loneliness and the, you know, emotional issues he's going through rather than carnal desire. Now, it may have straight up, given what we're hearing from other people, may have been usually carnal desire just in the past. Oh, Bert sells him out. Bert sells him out. Yeah. Yeah. God, his dad really does sell that. Yeah, so Mia is asking Lucia, like, hey, could it be the really old guy? Like, it can't be the old guy, right? They can't. And she's like, oh, they can. Absolutely. Sometimes I give them, <laughs> Chemical sometimes I give them a pill. Sometimes mm-hmm. I give them a pill. And I think the pill line is the first, like, concrete indication that Lucia yeah, is, yeah. in fact, working as a prostitute. I don't think Mia is at this point or ever has, from what I could tell. No, and I think she's very uncomfortable with even being perceived as such, given how she reacts later. She's... Very, very close friends, but that's an aspect of their friendship they've not really shared. Yeah, but Lucia casually throws out that they could have a threesome. I mean, Lucia is just a ball of fire, boy. She, you don't know what the hell's going to happen when she's on screen. So Valentina greets greets the DeGrassos, and Bert jumps right into it. The boat ride was bellissimo. Oh. <laughs> hey, I, I, got, I got something for you, Spencer. So this guy, Bert, if you... If you age him down 50 years, we put him in prison. Like, he's unbelievable. This is the category of things that only old guys that you, for some reason, perceive as cute can get away with. But he he doesn't even flirt with Valentina. That's how bad of a vibe she gives off. It's that Bert won't even flirt with her. (laughs) I I have to give credit. This is F. Murray Abraham, Academy Award winning F. Murray Abraham. He is yeah. doing a delightful role as a sleaze here and has my single favorite line of the episode before we're done. He sucks for real, but he says, um, so she's like, I'm impressed you're even here. And, and as soon as she says that, we know where that's going. And he's obviously annoyed by this. He's like, why are you impressed? She says, it's a long trip from Los Angeles and you are quite old. No, Bert has nothing to say to this, but Dominique and Albie, who are his son and grandchildren, respectively, watch on laughing. Mm hmm. The woman with the tray hands out Prosecco, and Bert is just going in hard at the woman. <laughs> Completely blows by Valentina, by the way. But this poor woman who's got the, the, the tray of Prosecco, who's derelict in her duties, which we established earlier, should have had way more Prosecco on hand. He, oh, aren't you a sight for sore eyes? Mm. Hello, darling. And all this other shit. And he's doing it to, like, women as he passes on the dot. I mean, he is just out of control, Bert. I mean, is, justification we get from this character later is that, eh, well, flirting is fun, and you don't mean anything by it. It's like, dude, 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 please yeah. stop. It's Come hard on. to even watch a- this, much less experience it. And we all have, like, not we all. I have <laughs> old men that I know mm-hmm. might might be might be in my family. Yeah, yeah, 
who are exactly like it. Who like it, this is a trope. Every waitress. I honestly like. There were people in my family growing up that I. It took me until I was maybe thirteen to realize that like calling a waitress baby and darling mm-hmm. is not normal. Like that, I thought like this was so common that in my immediate family and and, and extended family that I thought. That you would just call a waitress like baby and honey and shit like that. Like, I I have so many times had the conversation of, dude, please stop doing that. It's like, what? I'm just being nice. I've heard that, what? I'm just being nice a thousand times in my life. Or how about this one? She likes it. Oh. 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 I've heard that one. She <laughs> likes it. Look at her. Look at her. She likes it. Please don't do this to people that are dependent on tips. Uncle Lee out there to the kids. We're doing the first lesson of the podcast, Spencer. Uncle Lee out there to the kids. I think this is a good life lesson moment. Um, Please, when you are talking to anyone in the service industry, nay, strike that. Any woman you don't know romantically, don't do the honey and the baby and the, all that shit. We we scratched all that. Our our generation is done with that, so just don't do it. Just it's over. And by the way, if you're eighty, that doesn't get you off the hook. You still can't Mm-mm. do it either. Mm-mm. Don't do it. It's absolutely fucking creepy and inappropriate. So cut the, to uh, Ethan. Oh, go ahead. This show does it perfectly, too, because it happens constantly, and you're just trying to disappear into your chair watching it. Cut to Ethan and Harper um, and Daphne Babcock. They get off the boat. They meet Valentina. Lucia watches on and thinks Cameron's pretty cute. Mm. Cameron's pretty cute. Mia points out that they are with their wives. Lucia says, well, that wouldn't have. It wouldn't be the first time. And Mia drops this wonderful line. Men are so disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Mia. Yes, we're yes, we sorry. I'm. I, 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 I don't identify as a self-hating man, but yes, we probably are pretty disappointing. Mm. Uh, Valentina asks how the flight was, and they say Cameron lost his bags in Rome. And Valentina immediately says, "Well, oh my God, you can't trust the Rome airport. What are you doing? You should have flown through Munich." Of course, Spencer. German airports are better run than Italian airports. Who would have thought? Uh, and I love Soccer. how I love how Cameron and Daphne take this. It's just like, okay, well. We'll remember that one for next time. It's like, why are you even saying this right now? She's the worst. She's she is like. All right, question for you, please. Who who is worse at small talk, Valentina or uh, Bert? Valentina, honestly. <laughs> at least Bert. <laughs> That's saying something because Bert, Bert, Bert might commit crimes during his, his small talk. Bert's adept at his harassment. He's accomplishing what he intends to do. Valentina, I can't say she is. <laughs> I don't know that she is either. It's just so funny to me, this idea of like, like, oh, don't, don't even think about the, the Italian airport. What were Are you, you crazy? thinking? Through the German airport. Um, so she offers them Prosecco. Cameron wants to do a toast, but Harper tries to refuse. I've seen no. Spencer do this move a million times. A million times. Everybody you, you are not out the making me the Harper of this show. You are stop it. You're already casting me in this well, role. You, I mean, you're an attorney. You do refuse Shut to second from time to time, uh, leading to a pretty awkward conversation between her and her husband. Her, it's the Prosecco, damn it. And we see her husband, Ethan, as he tries to get her to pick up just a glass for the toast. Just pick up a glass for the toast, my God. Like, all right, so this is something everybody on the Mango Talks Podcast Network, if you're a loyal listener of us, you know, I do not drink. I, I don't drink at all. I'm teetotaler. Mm-hmm. I would pick the glass up at least for the damn toast. Come on, Harper. Like, what are you doing? Like, she's just being difficult here, right? She, she, she starts difficult. I will give her credit. Before this episode is done, you can see her legitimately making an effort. 
but she starts all kinds. It of goes, difficult. but man, it goes from a zero to like a two, right? It, on a ten, on a ten or even fifty point scale, yes. <laughs> Maybe fifty. <laughs> That's where she's at. Uh, she finally does grab the glass. I'll tell you this about Arbor. She doesn't seem to be a partner that I would want any any parts of or anybody I would really want to be like. When I say parts of, I mean like, to, like not like. You're something. already dismembering like, her. I understand. No, that's not what I mean. I did not. This is not you know. I, this yeah. You watch Dateline, the, don't you? This isn't the Dahmer Netflix special. I, what I mean is, I just wouldn't want to like date her or anything with that attitude because it seems a lot to deal you, with, right? You you, you but got Cameron's I will perspective give her this. here. I got a, I got a buck coming. No, I don't. I don't like this Cameron fucker. Don't say that. I got, I got a lot to say about him. Well, casting you in but, your role. Go on. <laughs> but, but I do think she does try when Ethan makes a point of something. Oh, no, like there's could. been, there's multiple times where he says, can you just do X? And she will do it. Doesn't seem happy about it, but no, she'll no. do it. What we're seeing here is her personality is to have a certain degree of standoffishness, a certain degree of not wanting to, you know, branch out and do things on the fly, whatever else. But she clearly does care about her husband, and she wants to try to make him happy, and wants to try to make things less awkward. It takes a minute to get there, but it, it's a fair read oh. of her personality that this is a person that cares. It's just there's a certain element of difficulty in terms of interacting with others, particularly outside of her given comfort zone. Hmm. Man, you said that really eloquently, almost like you had that teed up or something. No, 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 totally don't have that written, <laughs> deleting before I, I send you these notes. I am not, I am not the Harper. Spencer's bagging on the desk. Shut so up. here's the thing, though, is that we're like, she gets so much shit for not picking up the glass. And then Cameron has nothing. His toast is, well, we made it, guys. Like, yeah. if you're going to make her pick the glass up, at least have, at least have a toast. Or, like, what are you? caveman or a ramble like the father in season one come on just let the words just spew out of you oh he oh tammy tammy taylor's husband in season one when he was just he would just talk <laughs> go on while his kids just sit there awkward like is oh. he gonna stop oh the best so valentina if your bags will ever arrive we'll let you know if you believe in miracles <laughs> thank you her. valentina She's appreciate so you good she clarifies with Harper that Harper does, in fact, like Prosecco, just apparently not now. So she's mm. just, you know, right, right in her nose. She's got a so whole service operation here, you know? Mm hmm. Then in comes Tanya. She's bragging on the White Lotus folks. You know, Spencer, you, you watched her entire vacation in season I, one. I did, yeah. Can you believe that she's getting off this boat talking about the great times that she has at the White Lotus Hotels? <laughs> what is wrong with this lady? It's a read on her situation. Now, from her perspective, honestly, she ended better than almost any other character on the show in season one. She That's true. She, she got rid herself. of her mother's ashes. She got rid of mother's ashes. Got rid of mother's ashes. Found, found a love of her life. Had uh, a, a weird... Uh, okay, at the end of season one, it looked like it was possible. Now, <laughs> uh, uh, she... She demonstrated her absolute terrifying codependency on another person, which that's not gone away. Um, so, uh, yeah, she seemed like she had a good time. That's, I think, given her Apparently. very warped perspective on the world. But that's a carry through line here. Apparently, she had a good time. So she's a look. Here, here's the thing, Spencer. She's a blossom now. Okay. She's, oh yeah. She's not a value anymore. She's worked her way up. Tanya's husband not responding to texts. Shout out, Spencer. He is, he is apparently there, though. And we also see that Tanya has brought an assistant. Now, Spencer, my question for you is, what is she assisting? This this is a further demonstration of how codependent this character is. She's realized, I shouldn't rely on just showing up and, you know, having to find somebody. 
I'm literally just going to pay them 24-7 to be around me to satisfy this desperate need I have to have another person around and caring for me. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, you know, pull someone along with the visions of, like, giving them their own business. (laughs) (laughs) Which she did in season one. Like, I'll just just hire somebody who's already broken. That's what I'll do. We don't, we have no indication that she works, right? Do we ever pick up in nah, season one? Nah. She, this nah, is she, just she the spoiled, bored rich is what this character is. So, Exactly. Yeah. There's not much she needs an assistant for other than just the can't ever disagree company. She tries to explain it to Greg later as though I didn't want to travel alone, basically. But it's like, so you're paying someone to just be on a plane with you? It is very, very odd. So mm. then we get uh, Boca de Rosa by Fabricio de Andre. Woo! Yeah. What a what a what a song that was we start out with. That was beautiful as they take off for the hotel. We see Lucia eyeing Cameron again. I feel like that's gonna come up. That was twice they hit that. Yeah. I feel like that's gonna come up again. Yeah. Lucy the Hotel, which is absolutely beautiful. Spencer, did you know that the hotel used to be a monastery? Did you know that? Uh, you know, that came up actually. I was I'm I am aware. Little known fact about I am your tour guide here on Enjoy Your Stay. Just want to make sure you understood that. It, is so, this do do you know offhand if this is a real hotel? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. I mean, Probably. it's gorgeous. And it's like they have big, big scenes that they're in, big rooms and stuff. It doesn't look like a soundstage at all. I, I said, despite everything else we see on these shows, I may be adding another hotel I want to visit now. Yeah, I think I might go there. Uh, I don't know. We'll see how episode like five and six play out. I think it's going to get sideways. So they walk into their rooms and it, Cameron it and is it's checking a, out the view. It's a Four Seasons. They filmed it a Four Seasons. Oh, there you go. Four Seasons. Yeah, four seasons are nice. Yeah. So they walk into their rooms. Cameron and Daphne are checking out the view. Did you know it's a volcano? It might be a volcano, Spencer. How about that? Yeah. I think it's. I think it's about it. No, yeah. Ethan asks about the head statue, and Rocco explains. Here's the thing: if I'm Rocco, I would make up a different story. But here's Every the story time. he tells for Testa de Moro, and the story is that a Moor came and seduced a local girl. Uh, she found out he had a family back home, and then she found out he lied. She cut his head off. Uh, so Ethan asking the real questions, if you put one of these in your yard, what are you saying? <laughs> Which I don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, Cameron kind of, says it, Cameron says, don't fuck my wife. That's what it's saying. Uh, I'm kind of more buying Daphne's kind of understanding here. So here's but, the thing. I feel like of all the foreshadowing we get in this episode, and boy, do we get a lot of it. This is the line I would pinpoint as the number one foreshadowing line of the episode. In my opinion, it is from Daphne. It's a warning, babe. Screw around and you'll end up buried in the garden. Uh, well, what, yeah, let's keep data point on that. Couple that with the opening scene of, oh, you're just going to die here. And then her obsession later with Dateline and murders and spouses killing each other. And they are giving us warning signs to the point I almost believe it's a red herring. Get away from Daphne is the warning signs. Yes, because this was really forced in. This wasn't like a... This, I mean, you know, we, you know, obviously, you know, smooth as you and I are, we make this sound like this was just a normal conversation, right? But no, this was like ham-handed by Daphne with the, it's a warning, babe, screw around, and you'll end up buried in the garden. But, but it was like strange that she threw that in. Particularly the buried in the garden. That's a level of, oh, have you thought about this before? I, have you I got worked a plan. Out the She's probably the mar- dug the hole. She's dug the hole. <laughs> Filled it with you know, like soft ground so she can easily dig it back up again. Can't leave too much evidence. Easy peasy. Rocco then tries to show them a special feature, special feature, door linking room. You know what? You seem to me like the guy who would not like the door linking room. You seem like you would be like, uh, let's keep the door linking shut here. Let's let's close that. 
Well, wait, are you on the other side of it? No, totally. We don't need that feature. Don't, don't need that at all. <laughs> it depends. It depends on who's on the other side. If it's the guy who won't shut up. Then yeah, I'll close the door. Uh, Harper immediately says they, I love Harper's reaction. Oh, we won't be needing that. But here's the thing. She does a lot of things this episode that I think are awkward and are uh, the ball. Like it is firmly her problem. Like uh, she's, she's at fault here. I think they make too big a deal over her saying this. Like I, I would not have made such a big deal about her saying she wanted to keep the door shut. Like that's it. That's a kind of reasonable thing for her to want. There are a lot of times, a few times this episode of where Harper says something that everyone treats as awkward of where I'm looking at going, well, it's only really as awkward as it is because you're acting that it's acting that it's awkward. Exactly. Yeah, like, they make it awkward. Like it's it's like not every couple wants to sleep with the door. Like you know, it's it's okay to want to keep the door closed. Like that's all right. Like mm-hmm. they're all, hell, they're on vacation with you. They're here. Like you're yeah. gonna see a lot of them. Like they can keep the door shut. It's okay. Right. There are other means of contacting. There's a there's a balcony. You can yell at each other across that. There's also you know doors to the hallway. Oh, oh, I would totally yell at you across the balcony. 100%. I'm already Spencer, hearing you awake. I am already here. Spencer! (laughs) Buffet! Wake up! (laughs) Let's go to the buffet! Uh, Ethan says, look, it's nice to have options, right? He's trying to smooth the whole conversation over. Here's the thing about Ethan, is that I feel like he's, he's gotta be like the social manager all the time. Not just because of Harper, but because of Cameron too. Because he's buddies with Cameron and Cameron's a complete fucking disaster. So it seems like, he even has to constantly make up for people around him. And he seems like it, pro- it probably stresses him out. Like he probably it, is a really high, strong guy. Yeah. Ethan strikes me as a guy that was, you know, like shy or nerd, whatever else. And so he's learned how to cope by being hyper aware of situations around him to like avoid awkwardness. And we see that yeah. displaying, even though he's no longer that guy, because that's where he came from. And so he's hyper aware of his wife and has to make sure nothing's awkward with respect to that. He's hyper aware of Cameron and you know what Cameron's going to do and having to work around that and avoiding the awkwardness with respect to it. To the point he makes it kind of awkward just because of his efforts to avoid the awkwardness. It is, man. And, you know, I, I fall into this sometimes because, like, I find myself being the social manager a lot of times. Like, mm-hmm. And what I've learned over the years is that, like, in brief moments, people might appreciate you, like, smoothing out a conversation here and there. But on the whole, they don't want you something. to try to man. They don't want you to manage the whole conversation. Like, just chill the fuck out. Like, it's not your responsibility, right? That's what I've learned personally. That's what I would tell you. That, that would be... You know what? That, that's a life lesson from Lee to Ethan directly. That's what that is. Yeah. Swoop in so, and key moments. <laughs> don't be a director. Nobody needs that. Yeah. Yeah. Over time, people will stiff arm you for that. So cut to Bert. Talking to the lady who brought him the champagne. It's going to shock you, Spencer. He's flirt. Still continuing to flirt with her. Shocker. <sighs> Please. Can we just Hey, stop? did you know he's Sicilian? Did you know he's Sicilian? He's it, just it, like you. It came up. It came up. She's not, though, but it came up. Oh yes, you do have more of a northern look. Oh, that made it even worse. Hazel eyes. Well, who is this act? What is this actor's name? I know he's very famous. What's his name? Uh, the F. Murray Abraham. Oh my gosh, he crushes this scene with the beautiful hazel eyes. He's he's very funny. He, 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 he's a wonderful actor. I just adore. I adore when wonderful actors play horrible people because they can just kill it. Yeah, he's having a lot of fun. Uh, who was the guy who played Gandhi? Do you remember that guy? Uh, ben Kingsley. Bing, I saw a movie with Ben Kinsley being an asshole one time. That was a lot of fun. I was like, look at Gandhi up there giving people shit. That was awesome. Yeah, same kind of deal here, right? Mm-hmm. So Dominic jumps in and is like, hey, look, we're, uh, let me just explain. Basically, he's also kind of being the social director a little bit here. He feels responsible Hyper for cleaning up for, 
for Bert's mess. Instead of just letting Bert hang himself, like give him enough rope to hang, hang himself, right? Mm-hmm. He just feels the need to jump in and try to control it. And honestly, that makes Domin- that makes Dominique look bad as he goes on. Like this does not help him mm-hmm. trying to clean up for her his dad, his dad in these situations. Like actually, that might have been life advice from Ethan and to Dominic. Like chill out. <laughs> like let let the, let everybody else be. You know? Yeah. So he explains that they're there because. They're trying to visit a town his grandmother is from. Now, if it's his grandmother, that would be Bert's mother, right? So Bert's yes. mother was from this area? Okay. Mm-hmm. Town is called Testa de l'Aqua. The cl- lady clearly doesn't know where it is. She just goes, oh, that sounds very nice. special. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, during, during this, Bert farts, by the way. I just want to point that out. Uh, Prosecco. You know, it gives him gas. Yeah, it's Prosecco. What are you going to do? Uh, is it fair to say that... The read I'm getting is that Bert was born in America, but that his parents were first-generation immigrants from Sicily. That that, that seem accurate? That's what it seems like. Because he also doesn't have an accent. So I think he's probably, you know, just born and raised in America. But Dominique clearly says it's his grandmother here. So it's got to be Bert's mother, who was at some point lived in Italy. Mm -hmm. At Testa dell'Aqua. So Dominic ushers the lady out. Bert keeps saying that he wants her to be a translator for them. We need you, Isabella. We need you. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't stop. Finally, Isabella leaves. Dominic and Bert have a back and forth about Bert's behavior. And Albie agrees. Like, and that's, this is where you really want, like, I don't say this a lot, but this is where you want the 20 something to weigh in, right? Like, I feel like Al- Albie really has this hand. He's like, yeah, you know what? He's like, yeah, you know what? You were bothering the woman and you were also farting. It was a bit of a problem. <laughs> Prosecco. It's a Prosecco. Outside the door, Dominique questions, why did we do this? And Albie reminds him, well, it's nice. Dominique clearly trying to connect with the son, and it it just doesn't seem, I don't know, it doesn't seem very natural between the two of them. No, it it doesn't help that it seems almost that the son's trying harder than the dad. Because the dad's here, and this was the plan, but now that he's here, he does not seem that engaged in it. Now, we find but out see, a bit of why here in a second, maybe, but it's 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 difficult to see the son trying a lot harder than the dad appears to be. But see, here's the thing. When when you do this social director thing, when you yes. like you like Dominique is doing with this feeling, the need to constantly jump in, stiff arm, manage his father in conversations, he has no he has no like energy left to like focus on his son at all. Right. And so Albie's just sort of floating out there. Which isn't a good situation to be in, right? So it's it's like yet another reason. Like, let Bert be Bert. If he's inappropriate, let somebody tell him he's inappropriate. I mean, if he's like, you know, physically touching someone, jump in, right? But like, you don't have to like manage every conversation because it seems like Dominique gets exhausted with his father and has nothing left for Albie. That's a that's a good, actually a good call. I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective, but maybe the act of managing his dad just wears him out to the point that he lacks the will to get involved otherwise. So Albie's like, hey, we're going to go to dinner later. Door shuts. So Dominique didn't answer that question. Um, then we see Tanya meet up with her husband, Greg. Greg, uh, we saw him, and this is the guy that Tanya met in season one of mm-hmm. White Lotus in Hawaii. Greg is immediately unhappy that Tanya's assistant, Portia, is there. Tells her, he doesn't really ask, tells her to tell Portia to leave. Tanya goes over, tells Portia, you're going to have to, like, get lost but don't go too far like stay in your room like don't, don't leave your room yeah literally like let's assume tanya's here for a week because you know we have a week um she's literally instructed her assistant that she flown here that i want you to stay under lock and key at my call but completely invisible to anyone else 
Yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, it, presumably Porsche's getting paid every day she's here. Like, if if I, if Tanya wants to fly me to Sicily to sit in a four-star hotel, done. Done and done. Yeah, like, the, I shall do this. I completely get for Portia that this is hell, just because it's clearly not the trip she planned. I'm also right there with you. It's like, okay, but I can order room service on your credit card, right? Yeah. But I'm getting paid hey, to TV. literally just sit here, right? I can do this. I could do this easy, well. Easy. Yeah, and she can obviously leave the room, like, she, but maybe don't go to, like, to the main dining room and be, like, the center yeah. of the dining room. Right. But like you could go to the pool and shit like she she actually had doesn't have it so bad. I'm going to get on Portia later when she's doing this, like sobbing into the phone thing, because I got I got some problems. With Portia. Uh, so if, if I have to lean where my sympathies greater lie, though, much more team Portia than I am team Tanya on this. Tanya. Oh, not at all. I Tanya was a weird character. Mean. Season one. We're seeing a mean streak in here. Season two. I don't think she's mean. Where is she mean? Uh, how about the literal horror noises that are occurring when she's staring daggers at her assistant across the room during dinner? Well, I mean, her, she told her sister, her assistant not sleep. She's paying him. She's like paying her to be there. Like, hey, just stay in your room for a while. Like, that's not like, don't go, like Portia obviously should be able to leave the room. Obviously, that's that goes without saying. Tanya's sort of nuts. Right. But yes. at the same time, like, you know that Tanya doesn't want you to see her husband. Why are you in the center of the fucking dining room? Like sit at the bar. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like an b- odd move from Portia, but that's not my, bar- my problem with her. My problem with her is we'll, we'll get to you later. Is the final okay. conversation. Um, so cut to Harper and she's talking about Cameron and they're, they're Harper and Ethan are in their room together. Cameron's not there, right? She's talking about Cameron, talking shit about him until she sees which side of the bed Ethan is setting up shop on. And she's like, wait a second. That's my side of the bed. Now I have a question for you, Spencer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every couple has this. You, you've got your side of the bed. Your Definitely. girlfriend's got her side of the bed, I would assume. Now, the question is the transferable, the, the transference of said bed position onto other beds in vacations. If you're, say, left side of the bed, does that mean you're always left side of the bed, no matter what bed you and your girlfriend are on? Or does no. it switch up based on the vacation? No. No, definitely not. Definitely also not, like, what side I'm setting up on. Because that can just change during the course of the night anyway. It's like, it, it is nowhere near as much of a deal breaker as apparently is for Harper than it is for me. It's like... I, I thought a, that was weird. I thought that was really weird. It, it, it's, it's establishing an aspect of her personality that we see several times here is that she kind of needs to maintain a certain degree of rigid control and expectation about how she goes about things. And that manifests in even the smallest ways. You, and you know what you do to someone like this? I'll just go ahead and let you know right now. You just break them. You just say, nope, I'm not, I'm, I'm sitting on this side of the bed. I just make her sit in that uncomfortability. I'm like, you get, you know what? You can control a lot of things. You cannot control where I'm sitting right now. Sorry if about that. Ethan did that right now. How would Harper react? Uh, not, I don't not, think she's not, not he started five years ago. Not he worked up to this moment. He literally just changes course right now. I think that she would ice him out the rest of the day. She yes. would just stop talking to him. Yes. So she, she goes on, it is exactly, I mean, she's 100% right here. Shout out Harper. I mean, they're so touchy-feely. It feels performative. It feels fake. I mean, obviously she's right. I'm just saying, so, have you ever shared <laughs> a nice ice cream sundae or whatever else, sitting in a diner? It's a lovely way to spend an afternoon. Oh, my God. After five years, they're just still sticking their tongue down each other's throats in the uh, 
on the boat. I'm with Harper a little, like a little bit. Like I'm not as mad as she is, but like I would look at that and go, uh, I don't know about that. I, I really do adore and respect these two couples that I assumed I was going to be hard one side or the other. By the end of this episode, I'm like, nope, I'm right down the middle when it comes to these people. I am seeing things to justify both of their points of view. No, here's the thing. I don't like, I don't like all four of them. I don't like any of them. No, actually, I kind of like Ethan a little bit, but I don't like we either don't couple. A, we don't have enough about Ethan really to have opinion at, yet, other than he was staring very weirdly at that, you know, Moro sculpture. Yeah, so Harper then makes fun of Cameron for saying he hung out with Bezos, which I would obviously make fun of somebody who said they had hung out with Jeff Bezos, too. Like <laughs> You, you wouldn't to. wait. You'd make fun of them to, into their face. Absolutely. I'd be like, hey, like, do you want to Amazon something here? <laughs> uh, Harper then jumps in. And Cameron is the type of guy that if you can put up with him for five minutes, you can put up with him forever. He is consistent. Spencer, do you know anybody like that? Just wondering. Just wondering. I'm not going to name names. The answer is yes. (laughs) We both know. (laughs) Do you know anybody who, if you can put up for their obnoxious, over-the-top alpha behavior for five minutes, you can put up with it forever? Uh, The term consistent douche that was offered here was a phrase I wished I had many years ago. Oh man, what is? Oh, that's why this show is so good. Everybody can see either themselves or their friends in it these is characters. Delight- ah, it is a, humanity a, on display at its worst, and it's great in that regard. Outside the door, Dominique questions. Uh, oh no, we already had this. Uh, he already did that, right? Um, so we have Harper, uh, who says a consistent douche, which is exactly what you said, and he goes, "Yeah, he's crazy. It's funny." Like, and so Ethan's doing the thing of like, he, so here's how he's, and I have obviously have people like this in my life. And I've been this guy for a lot lot in my life that you have to treat as sort of, he's just acting like, yeah, this is performance. You're not not having, yeah, you're not having a real conversation. What you're having is like, you're talking to our um, entertainment for the night. This is the person who showed up. We've paid. You've got stand up at your table. Yeah. That's kind of what this guy is. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Harper asked if he was like that in college. <laughs> this is the fucking worst. worse. Like, I'm having a hard time talking about this with you. See, Ethan says he has, uh, he was actually way worse, which prompts Harper to, Harper to ask why they were even friends. Spencer, here's the quote for you, all right? We weren't friends. We were roommates. You know how it is. You kind of become friends. And now we're friends. Now, this one doesn't all apply to me, um, but it's, I, it was an interesting read to see how Ethan reacted to it. It applies to everybody. I'm laughing because it does apply to you, but also, like, how many fucking people have I mean, we yes. have friends. We Like, this is how we met. All of Roommates your, in college, and you just become friends for life. It's so good. All your friends are from forced exposure. That's where it comes from. At least, particularly the ones you got in, like, college and high school. Afterwards, you know, shared interest to a certain degree. But those stages, it was just distance that decided your friendships it's just such a perfect quote we weren't friends we were roommates you know how it is you kind of become friends and now we're friends it's like the all of america can fucking identify with that it's perfect do, do you think he actually views them as friends if, like if you asked yeah. if you spent maybe ethan talk for 10 minutes about cameron do you think he actually would come to the conclusion they're friends or is it just gravity at this point inertia it's going forward. i think i think he would explain that they're friends but i think that if you truth serumed him the answer is that Har- that Cameron is a little bit more like an obligation yeah. than an actual friend. It's someone he feels like he has to hang out with. And when he hangs out with him, he has to act a certain way and accept certain behavior. And he doesn't really have much of a choice about it. I would say it's probably the truth of the matter. 
Harper then says she thinks Cameron will eventually approach Ethan with some sort of money-making scheme. I am inclined to agree, by the way. I am with fucking Harper on this. I will. I am going to bet that Cameron at some point goes, well, you know, I got a little thing going. Like, you know, you might want to get in on it. It's an interesting line because she later does say that Cameron and Daphne are rich. Like, she even says, you know, is is this what happens to your brain when you're really affluent? Uh, so, so they're they're rich, but I think that Ethan has hit it real big because even because Cameron rich. even yeah because because Cameron refers to Ethan as like oh now that he has money like mm-hmm. and you wouldn't say that about somebody who just started making the same money you make right yes I, I, so I think I think I think Ethan has more is my guess I I'm with you in that and idea that Cameron will come to him with a scheme totally can believe that happened in episode two. Not even going to waste any time with it. I thought it was happening this episode. It's going to happen. Yes, shout out to Harper. She's right about that. Yeah, that's a good That's a good phrase. Ethan is probably tech rich. That's a different level. Ethan ignores that and asks her to just make, can you just make some kind of effort, please? I mean, she my does. God. She does. Uh, or else the weekend will be awkward. And Harper, I don't, when do I ever make things awkward? And he's like, <laughs> the, the, the answer the answer, Harper, is right now, like right this yeah. second with your husband. You're making the, that awkward. Remember that moment a few seconds ago where you made him move to the other side of the bed? That Start there and continue to the present. <laughs> Cut to Portia. Getting into her room. I don't know if Portia got like the JV room or something, but they don't help with whatever room Portia got. You don't get help with your bags. That's what I've learned. <laughs> uh, Cut to Valentina. Blossom members only. Blossom members only. You, yeah, you gotta be, you can't be a pedal. Gotta be up in the blossom area. Cut to Valentina. She's on the phone. She basically dismisses Rocco. Hey, go get some tea. Why don't you? But in come Mia and Lucia. I gotta tell you, Valentina versus Lucia. This I am be here great for it. Going forward. I I'm here for it every episode. I really want this to be a repeated thing. Absolutely. Valentina asks what they're doing there. And Lucia explains, well, we're, we're here to see someone. Uh, but she can't name who. All she can say is that you know, it's a it's a man and he's American. And, uh, you know, from there, Valentina asked Antonia to see them out. She says, I know you. I know where why you are here. Not in my hotel. This is one of the things that tells me that as much as she, you know, has, Lucy has embraced this profession. Clearly, she's not been doing it that long. Otherwise, you would think she'd be much more adept in terms of getting into this hotel. Yeah. And, and, and like, she doesn't need to be there right now. Like, yeah. because it, she, she's not meeting Dominique until later. So I'm not even sure why she's walking around there making enemies right now. It seems like a, like an unforced error. This is not adept maneuvering that you would expect of an experienced person in this particular field. Um, I think she's still in some ways feeling it out herself. Valentina says, at least I don't have sex for money as she's on her way out. This sets off my friend Lucia, who turns around. And just starts yelling at her. Who paid to have sex with you? Uptight, ugly bitch. Like, she's just giving her shit. Like, the fingers pointing. Oh, she's yeah. got these boots on, and her feet are flying around. It's just like, she's ready to just unload on Antonia. Or uh, Valentino. At that moment, I was just convinced. Th- these two are going to be the pairing of the season. These two are going to be the ones yes. that their interactions will be the comedy highlight of almost every episode. We're going to get it like, cause you know, I, th- I, I think that, that Dominique has procured her services for the week. I think yes. she's going to be there every day. And yes. I think every day you're going to get fucking Valentina being like, you can't stay here. Get out of here. Et cetera. And I actually told this to, to my wife. I was like, I think what we're going to get is we're going to get a scene or two where Dominique has to, with his tail between his legs, go up to Valentina and say, she's actually here with me. Can you please let her stay? Like, and he'll, and obviously everybody in the, in the conversation will know what he's doing. 
I am so here for that. I was thinking to myself, I went, oh god, please let him go to the front desk and say that he has a plus one now so that she actually is allowed to stay. The awkwardness of that scene and the awkwardness of the reactions of where she can't actually remove her from the site is going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. Um, so, <laughs> got to Dominic, who uh, seems to call his ex Abby. Abby has only got that name <sighs> from the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, oh, Abby. So, you want to call Abby, Smith? You want to talk to Abby real quick? No. 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 It's like, th- th- this was. What a... could. She, let's ponder it. What could she have. What could he have done to make that lady hate him so much? I'm, I'm guessing from what we hear from his dad and see in this episode and hear from her that he is a serial cheater. And she only just found out about that, and maybe even to the point of having like a second life out there somewhere. Oh, he could be like, yeah, he could definitely have like, it, like girlfriend it, with baby in a hotel somewhere in Santa Monica, straight up family in Alaska kind of thing. <coughs> yeah, I think I think this that's a really great call. I think that might be that could be the level, right? Because well, she is fired up. I was expecting the conversation to basically stay at about the same level of it starts, of where she's obviously nope. bitter, doesn't want to engage them. But it just keeps building till by the end, this woman is straight up sobbing into the phone while screaming at him. It's like, oh, God, this is reaching a level of emotion I'm not used to for this kind of trope of conversation. She goes, she is wild on him. So she starts out, she gives him the Logan Roy, fuck off. Yeah. And he mentions Kara, who I'm assuming is his daughter. Yes. Uh, they're probably their child. And he won't take his calls. And Abby's like, well, it's because you suck. And he's like, well, you should talk to her about that. And she's like, not going to do it. Ain't no way. Tricky situation, that one, right? Because, you know, if you're Abby, as unreasonable as Abby seems to be in this conversation, that we do not have the background, right? Because she might be justified in all this. But the the thing with do you intervene, like if you're a divorced couple and you have a kid who's, say, 16, do you step in and say, hey, yeah, I know like, me and your dad didn't, it didn't work out with me and your dad and I have my problems with him, but you should love him. Like, I feel like that's a hard one to navigate. It's a hard one to navigate. I would generally advise people to try to leave your kids out of it as much as possible, particularly given that it seems like the kids are adults. Oh, is this a, is this a Uncle Spencer out there to the adults? This is an Uncle Spencer out there to the adults of where. I like it. I like it. As much as whatever else you feel with respect to your partner, but when you're broken apart. Your kid's relationship with them should be separate and apart from your own. And the degree to which you bias or interfere or intervene in that, you're... I think that's improper, and I think that's unfair, and I think that can only lead to greater problems later. Uh, by the way... Right, so do it like Abby does it, right? No, that is not what I'm... <laughs> question, by the way. Did you recognize who the Abby's, yeah. who's Abby, Abby's actress was? Cause I actually, I oh, no. I, was, I thought it was familiar, but I looked it up. This is Laura Dern of Jurassic Park and Last Jedi. Laura Dern. I love Laura Dern. She was in uh, that movie. She was in that series, um, Nine Perfect Strangers. She was really good in that, too. I have never actually watched that. Is that good? Yeah, it was really good. Laura Dern is, is awesome. I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. I hope we get to see Abby at some point during this. Oh. I hope she shows up. Like, kind of, Remember how in season one, the this mother just ran up? showing up later? Yeah, we'd heard, yeah, we heard her on the phone, and then all of a sudden she was there. I hope I hope this is the same deal with that. I can't deal with that um, much awkwardness if she flies to Italy. If she flies to Sicily to be at the White Lotus, given the interaction they've had so far, I may just die in my chair watching this show. Oh, it's office season one territory. It's going to be pretty it. rough. Don't, 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 um, don't you, don't you threaten that right now. Don't you put that evil on me. Uh, <laughs> so Abby's really annoyed during this conversation, to say the least. Dominic points out his son Alpy's with him, 
He's not upset. She goes, yes, he fucking is. She says, he's a sweet, sensitive young man. I honestly don't know how it happened. He sure as fuck didn't get it from you. Dominic finally goes, Jesus. Okay. All right. Look, I still love you. And she just goes, shut Ooh. the fuck up. Like, it's such a, like, she, he's, I still love you. She shut the fuck up. It's the type of thing. It's like that. She says, shut the fuck up in the way that someone robbing you says, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like if they, if you're starting to talk and they've got a pistol to you, they're like, shut the fuck up. Like that's how she says it. It is. She's ready to roll here. She's ready to punch this guy right in the face. Laura Dern is a wonderful actress. Put this on her highlight reel though, in terms of this conversation. Cause I can just feel the just accumulated rage and anger and disgust that is just piling out of this person right now. Now she ends it very eloquently by saying it's fucking done. Leave me alone. Seriously. Go fuck yourself. You fucking piece of shit. Now, here's the thing, Spencer. I still think they have a chance. You are the most perennial optimist I've ever, ever encountered in my real life. I, like, you, I think they got a chance. I, I really do. You because are the level you, of optimist you, that only exists in Disney movies. It, it just, I can't no. understand it. Here's the thing. If you still have that much emotion, then you still care. Like, you, here's when it's over. When you call the person and they go, uh, who is They're this? And you go, oh, oh, they go, oh, it's, oh, it's Lee. And they, oh, oh, Lee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you want? That's when it's over. When the person screaming, I fucking hate you. Blah, 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 like that can be flipped. I still think they have a chance. I'm rooting for these kids. I'm rooting for them. We know they're, we know they're kids because 50 not that young. Uh, 50's not that old. We know <laughs> that. Later, so they're yes. still kids. They're still kids. It, this, is Cut to, my, uh, this is not my shipping bet. I know you've gotten into shipping now. Is this really your shipping bet for this for this season? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's look. You don't get. She is so out of control, angry that she cares. Still, she still has emotion and feeling and cares about whatever the fuck happened. She's not gotten to the point of it calloused over and indifference. When you get to that point, that's when the relationship is over. I still think this can be flipped. I really do. I think she's going to show up. I think we'll get Laura Dern, and I think that she'll probably she'll probably meet. Lucia, my friend, <laughs> in the room. But I think, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna, it's gonna turn. Dominic's gonna turn this thing around. Sure, shout yeah. out to Dominic. Let's uh, go. We're, we're talking odds of like the Carolina Panthers making the playoffs this year, but sure, yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> They're not technically out of it. Cut to dreamy choral music playing, which is what was displayed on the screen, which really made me laugh. We see another seagull again. The seagull motif. The the person in flight. The traveler. Um, and we see Albie swimming and Portia's next to the pool talking to her friend. This is the part where I am like, I don't know about Portia. Now she does drop this hilarious slide where she says, I feel like I've been sitting at home for three years, doom scrolling on my phone, which <laughs> pretty much speaking for all of the world. I did so, enjoy the good, phrase, good line there. I, I'd never heard the phrase <laughs> doom scrolling before. I'm going to be keeping that one. Going to be using was, that one going forward. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty much the back half of 2020 for everyone. I think, um, <laughs> And now she's in Italy and her boss told her she has to stay in a room the whole time. And then she drops this. She says, she's a mess. She's a fucking miserable mess. If I had half a billion dollars, I would not be so miserable. I would be enjoying my life. But here's the thing, Spencer. The entire thesis of this show is that is that, is that that is not true. It, well, the, yes. So that's the undercurrent. But the direct situation she's in is you are being, you have a job now. Yes. You're being paid to be in Italy you are literally poolside at a four-star hotel right now, poolside, and you are sobbing into the phone about how miserable you are. Do not tell me that you would you would not find a way to be miserable if you had half a billion dollars. Absolutely, Portia would. I 
hundred percent believe she'd find a way to be miserable. I'm with you. I still have a certain measure of sympathy for her because this just screams thwarted expectations that she got sold a trip to Italy, that she'll get time on herself, that, you know, she's that her, the woman that she could barely tolerate as her boss is going to be with her husband. So she'll get time to go off on her own, meet pretty boys and whatever else. And all of that's just come crashing down. This feels like in two days she'll come to terms with this. But for right now, it's just a curse of expectation. This is a massive overreaction to being told to stay in your room. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, <laughs> this is you also, are, you would, off, it's also you and I talking. You and I perfectly fine just staying in a room for like, you know, a week. Other people nah, but would I, find this worse. I don't think that she has to stay in the room for a week. And she obviously doesn't think that because she's sitting at a pool right now and she's at dinner later. So she obviously doesn't think she has to stay in her room the whole week. <laughs> she's being paid to be there. She knew she was there to work. Like, so she knows she's not going to be able to do exactly what she wants to do. Why is this a sobbing into the phone situation? Portia seems like she's way too far. You know what? You know what she seems? She seems like a candidate for meds. That's what I'm going to say. Candidate for some meds. Is there also a ratchet it back a little bit? Is there also a certain possibility that this is just like the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of working for Tanya? Can we agree that working for Tanya would not be the best gig in the world? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. And that could. That's a very fair point. And that could be the case. I don't have enough to know that, but like Episode what she's one. complaining we'll about, out. what she's complaining about. I'll is agree with you there. I, I can't leave my room, but I'm sitting poolside right now. And oh, there's pasta on the menu. I hate everything. Like <laughs> settle yeah. down. Yeah. That was, um, honestly, among the moments I was, get, I was getting pulled away from her. It was the pasta comment. It's like, really? You're going after the pasta? You're in Italy. Just your pasta is what really putting you off of the situation. Well, I think it's like a, a weight thing, right? You know, she's worried about it. But it's like, I don't know. It seems like she, what, what's, what's ironic to me is that she's talking about how Tanya can't be happy and she's, with all of this, yes. all of this great shit. But it's like, you kind of have some great shit in front of you and you can't enjoy it either. So like, I, I agree. I, I think that's a good call. And I think that's per, uh, an emotion the show really wants us to have right now is we're sitting here, sit at a five star resort next to the pool, pondering out what her dinner arrangements are going to be. Yeah. If there's nothing else that the show tells us and see, I can already say it for season two, season one and season two is that like, you don't have fun just because you're somewhere nice. Like you have fun because you are, you have to be like healthy and at peace mentally and with people you, you like to have fun you're uh, not gonna have fun just because you just get transferred to a four-star hotel yeah without peace of mind you're just picking where you want to be unhappy so uh her friend sarah who seems like a blast tells her she needs to go get some dick so shout out to sarah mm-hmm. and portia says that's what i need to do i need to get thrown around by some hot italian guy sure <laughs> what you go girl thrown <laughs> thrown around don't she then complains of menus I, I'm not. It was just an interesting turn of phrase. And she says, then she complains that the menu's all pasta and everything sucks and the world's terrible and everybody hates Portia. Oh, poor Portia. So got to two talk couples and Cameron tells Harper, someone she knew from law school says, hi, Harper says, tell him hi and congrats on not getting disbarred. Spencer, have you ever conveyed such a message to somebody you graduated with? This is very in keeping lawyer humor, particularly with people that you suffered through law school with. Avoid that level of just, you know, Utterly sarcastic scorn, normal interaction with somebody that may have been your best friend. It seems right. It seems, yeah, it seems absolutely okay. It's um, also very in keeping for Harper that she would say that right there. They talk about how Harper does employment law and she explains she handles lawsuits against employers. Cameron immediately scoffs. I knew where this was going and I wanted to sink into my couch. Mm-hmm. 
because he immediately starts talking about how he's dealing with a bunch of bogus claims. Everyone is, Spencer. Everyone is. Oh, yeah. So it's like that's where he crosses the line, right? Because he's saying, like, if he just said, I'm dealing with a bunch of bogus claims, but that's just my situation. Like, I, I really don't like he. But when he throws in everyone is, he's basically saying your profession is overreaching. Yes. Your profession is the problem. Your profession is the what made me. You're, you're the reason there can't be happiness. Uh, th this right here was the moment that I suddenly realized, oh, they want us to think all these people are terrible. Gotcha. Yeah. Understand. Cameron sucks too. Cameron sucks too, for sure. He <laughs> really sucks here in a minute. Um, he mentions how they are big time sucks, waste of money. Even if they get thrown out in summary judgment, Spencer, even if they get thrown out, I still have to spend all this money and time and it's completely ridiculous. Harper says, well, they aren't our bogus. And Harper, Har Har Cameron gives a absolutely half-hearted apology. Oh, I mean, God, it is. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, the Daphne tries to smooth things over by saying she imagines Harper is tough. Uh, newsflash, so do I. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I also think she's probably a good lawyer. Cameron agrees, and Ethan says she's the star of her firm, just like my buddy Spencer here, just like my co-host. Wins oh. every case. Look at that. Look I at that. I only wish that was true. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's it's certainly true. Cut to Portia and Albie, and he tells her if uh, – ask her if she's okay. Um, he, You know, because Albie's a nice guy. He's like, hey, are you all right? Uh, they proceed to have an intensely awkward conversation, which, I mean, really doesn't, I guess it doesn't narrow things down in this episode. <laughs> now that I've, now that I've written it out, it seems to be every conversation is awkward, but this one's pretty awkward mm -hmm. because he says, well, I, he says, where are you from? She says, San Francisco. He goes, oh, I spent some time there, went to school there. She's like, where'd you go? And he hesitates and finally says Stanford. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal with this. Spencer. Again. Here's the deal. Yeah. I know. I got a buddy, a good buddy who went to Harvard. And he says he struggles with it because he's like, I, if, if somebody just casually asked me where I went to school and I say Harvard, then the entire conversation is about Harvard and how smart I am and how great Harvard is. And, oh, my God, I can't believe you get in. And the whole thing spirals downhill. And I actually do have, like, some sympathy for that. Like, I mean, yeah, it's great he went to Stanford. It's great my buddy went to Harvard. But I can see how that can be not an easy thing in, like, small talk. I'm actually kind of I, I I understand why it would be awkward, but this feels to me like another example of where it's a person taking something that doesn't need to be awkward and making it such by how they present it. That if he just said without any degree of pausing and delay that oh yeah I went to Stanford, the conversation wouldn't have, wouldn't have been anywhere near as awkward as it ends up being. I feel like that's true. That's it, true. You're you're you absolutely right about that. But I have sympathy for why he hesitated. I perfectly yeah, understand. But I, you're right. You're right though. Well, yeah. this is all. This is also a general. Life lessons with Spencer. Yeah, you, fire away. Moments are as awkward as you feel they are. If you are already feeling awkward and you're going into a conversation, the conversation is going to be awkward. That's just how it goes. Same thing is true like here. I feel like this is a hard-won lesson for you. Oh, dear Christ, yes. I feel like you, but you've, you've probably learned this lesson a few times in your life. Absolutely. Like, I, I can, yeah. You, know, you can make it awkward if you start fumbling and bumbling and stumbling and, and, and rumbling like this guy does. You're right. You're, you're right, Spencer. If he had just said Stanford, they could have breezed right by it. But I understand why he doesn't want to tell people he went to Stanford. Yeah. Or Stanford. There, there's Stanford, ways whatever. that you can present this and still appear humble. If you just say Stanford and do it with a little shrug or whatever else, it's done. It's out there, and it can be interacted with in that regard. It can be a subject of conversation because, you know, legitimately, Stanford's impressive. Let it be there. If you're, if you're making something that is about you and your background awkward, you're making it awkward for everybody else. Just don't do How it. How about this? Let's flip the life lesson. If you're talking to someone and they say they went to an Ivy, just let them be. 
don't don't harass them about the fact that because that's the real problem here, right? Mm-hmm. Is the people who hear him say I went to Stanford and and they go, oh really? You must be super smart and do that whole thing. Those are the problem people that make all of this not work, right? Yes. So don't do that. Don't be that guy. So she went to Chico, which is California State University. Which, by the way, this is presented as like she went to like fucking so and so tech like community college. California State University is a very nice school. Like this is not. It's funny, like how I guess, in compared to Stanford, it's not. But like, I I would hear she went to Chico and went, oh, oh, okay. I would I would perk up, like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. Again, he makes it awkward here when he just goes, oh, cool. It's like, dude. Yeah, he goes. Dude. Yeah, he goes a little too hard. He too hard trying to make it. He's just trying. I could, I'm telling you, I, I like this Albi guy. I think he sh- I think he struggled with this in the past. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he does make that awkward. I'm shipping these two by the, after episode one. So I want great things <laughs> to happen to eventually. Dude, it's not shipping when it's already happening. Like you're not you're. <laughs> this is already done. It's she's she's fucking internet stalking him. She's doom scrolling at the end of the episode. I, I the fact that I always default to the canonical ship, that the what the writers ship, it, I, that that is on me. This is a repeated yeah, trend. You really yeah, you don't go out on a limb with your shipping. I I go out on very hard limbs <laughs> all the time with mine. Portia continues to call his grandfather cute, which I think might be a theme. I think we're going to get this. I think we're going to get young women looking at Bert and being like, oh, he's adorable, even though we know that he's like a predator. It, right? It's his greatest defense, defense mechanism is that because of how old he is and how he looks and everybody else, nobody takes him seriously when he does this shit. Yeah, then Bert comes down to the pool and promptly falls down, so they go to help him. Spencer, did Bert fall down on purpose, or did he accidentally fall down? I'm not sure. I really wasn't. I I couldn't be sure either. I I really didn't know. I couldn't tell. I I thought, at first I thought it was a complete accident, but when he he very quickly transitions to, so who's the girl? That's when I thought, ooh, he might have been just trying to get the girl over to him. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure whether it was... Where do you use the word performative like 30 times in this episode? I wasn't sure if it was performative purely for the sake of attention or if this guy is just that capable of immediately just refocusing once something presents itself of interest. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. Because, it, well, I guess... Uh, so when he falls, they come over and she's like... Um, Porsche's like telling him, I'm so sorry you fell, et cetera. And he, he does kind of like, like he kind of record scratches when he sees there's a woman there who's young. Oh, and then he's, you? he, oh, darling. Oh, darling. So, but because he isn't quite prepared to go into that, like darling, this and that, how he has to flip when he sees her, that makes me think he might've actually, actually accidentally fell. Like maybe I, he really did accidentally fall. I did. And he's actually, this is actually his most charming right here where he just says that and he's just kind of appreciative in the moment. Maybe he needs to fall more often, make, make his interactions much more natural. Well, Albie does exit, exit him stage left very fast. So he doesn't have a chance to get himself in trouble. Uh, cut to Tanya. He's polishing off a glass of wine. Is getting all dolled up in the bathroom. Shout out to you, Tanya. You look great, by the mm-hmm. way. You look great. She walks up and Greg, Greg tries to cover his face with the room service menu. <laughs> <laughs> at, what, at what point? We get a lot of interactions here, but if, on, on, going through this, at what point... Was it just abundantly, unassailably clear to you that these two were kind of on the rocks? Was it? Um, not not yet. It wasn't quite yet. Because he is a kind of a weird, direct guy. It was the thing with the macarons that really got We're going to get there in a minute. Yeah. So uh, she starts, which, you know, we all know this is the typical middle-aged um, 2020 sophisticated person mating call the foot on the boob move. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I really need a guide to these things. I feel like I'm just getting lost in the time. I don't, you know, I don't pick up these obvious signs. Yeah, this is just what everybody does now, Spencer, obviously. And he just says, right now? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I got to wash up first. It's hot out. I've got swamp crotch, which she then takes as he's always thinking of me. <laughs> oh, you poor dear. <laughs> yeah, Tanya, Tanya is sort of, she's a... She's a lot, but if she does, her personality does seem to set up as someone who's probably going to be mistreated. Yes. This is a, because of like how she sees through shit. She doesn't, she doesn't see things as they are. She just makes up this like fantasy that this guy's like treating her well. She, she is going to be mistreated and she's going to also mistreat people around her mostly unintentionally just because she has such a weird, unique look upon the world. Yeah. So come back to the couple's retreat. I absolutely want no parts of. And Harper <laughs> apparently has asked them for some sleeping pills. Shout out to Harper. She, yeah, yeah, y'all got your Ambien. Where's the Ambien? Anybody mm. got Ambien? They don't have any. And they start talking about how Harper needs sleeping pills for all the work stuff, but also everything else that's going on. Now here's God, the thing. This conversation goes so many places. When I, if I heard, so if Harper, if I'm there with Harper and she goes, yeah, I work stuff and everything else that's going on. I know. That she would descend into telling me that like climate change is destroying the world and like all our politics are crap and corrupt and the media sucks and the, yes. the, and the social media. I, I, I know where this herself. is going. So I would just move this. I would be the Daphne here. I'd be like, what, what TV shows you watch and what books? I'd probably say what books you're reading to try to connect with her. But nobody does that. They just continue to push her. And she's like, you know, the world ending. And then Daphne does the, oh, sweetie, that's not that bad. It's not that bad. The world's not ending. It's really interesting to see this. Like you said, I would immediately see the signs there and just start going in a different direction just to avoid that conversation. It's fascinating to see these two couples interact because they clearly are so oil and water. They're so different spheres that just do not interact with each other. They don't see the signs and are just so caught off guard by each other, they dig in. Which is the wrong thing to do. And what's weird is they don't seem to have the ability to cherry pick the good things that the others are saying, right? Because they start, yeah, because they start talking about like, Cameron starts saying how he doesn't watch the news because the news cycle, he's over it and they're trying to keep us glued to our apocalyptic soap opera and... Then she points out that if the, she being Daphne, if the world was ending, what were they going to do about it anyway? Both of these are not really bad points. I mean, the the 24-hour cable news stations do want you glued to them all the time. So they yes. do overhype things to make you think it's worse than it is so that you'll continue watching. This is just a fact. And she's also right that if the world is truly ending, there's nothing you, Harper, employment law litigator, is going to fucking do about it. So neither one of these are bad points that she could potentially hone in on but she doesn't obviously because she doesn't respect these people so then they get to a discussion about voting daphne isn't sure she voted spencer did daphne vote no daphne did not (laughs) daphne did not vote there's no way no way actually actually, you remember if you voted you remember let me clarify daphne has voted and that one time she did vote she always just thinks about about whether she voted that is a wonderful call. That she, you know what she did? She voted for Obama in 08. Oh God, yes. And she's continuing to think. She's like, yeah, she's continuing to think about that. Yeah, I think I did. That it was at that, that library down the street. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I think I did. Yeah, I voted for the black guy, right? Like he, it, he's it still is, he's still a president, right? So that it is. I've met this person. It is so that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Spencer, did you have you? All right, so we got elections coming up. Have you voted? No, we're gonna early vote on Friday. 
But see, you, exactly. You're, cause you're a voter. You're like, no, I haven't. I'll do it at this time. Exactly. I'm a voter. I can tell you when I did it. I did it last week, last Thursday. Bam. Done. Like it's, <laughs> you, you know, if you voted, which mm-hmm. is also like another super relatable thing about this conversation. Cause when you hear somebody going like, I don't know if I voted, you're like, yep, didn't vote. I just know it. <laughs> do you think Cameron um, voted? Yes, I do. I do think so. Yes. Because uh, he knows that she didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drove but alone. you know what? But he, but he's okay. Like Cameron sucks, and I'm gonna rail on him here in a minute. But like he doesn't at least doesn't continue to sell her out. He's just like, ah, I don't know if you did. Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We are gonna debate at the end of this real end of this episode which relationship is doing better with themselves because we get very Ooh, different presentations debate. of two relationships, and they kind of need to be assessed. Debate. Um, so Cameron and Daphne say they don't watch the news. Harper just looks at Ethan like how would you like, so this is my point. Like during the conversation when Cameron and Daphne say they don't watch the news, Harper gives this, I don't know if you caught it, this very quick look to Ethan. Like, how about that? Like super sarcastic to it, Ethan it, that they don't watch the news. It's almost to the point that she's judging Ethan for what they yes. are. She's a hundred percent doing that. A hundred percent. Like, cause she's, every time they say something stupid, she looks at Ethan, like, can you, can you, friends? Ex- yeah, please explain this. Like, can you please give me a justification here? Which is not his job, obviously. No. Um, Harper then level sets, ask them, since they don't watch the news, like, what do you do? Like all day. And what is hilarious about this is that Harper is clearly like an NPR died in the wool liberal, like sitting here with these people. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're, she basically insinuates they're so stupid that she can't understand what they would do to fill their day. And when Daphne says, well, I'm, I hang out with my kids. Harper then has to liberal backtrack oh, and go, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, oh, yeah, well, totally, totally. Like, yeah. that's totally, I mean, like, yeah, being a mom's like the hardest job in the world. Like, yeah, I totally like, get it. Like, yeah, totally. Like, uh-huh. Like, that's she has exactly to do that fucking thing. the thought thing. process, yes. <laughs> it was wonderful to watch. But Daphne then goes into this strange sidebar about how she watches spouses murdering each other on Dateline. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing. And then, this is one of the things where statistics do bear this out of where middle-aged married women are the dominant demographic that is watching murder porn. So yeah, for perfectly sure. in keeping. And, and by the way, murder podcasts too. They're all over yes. the fucking true crime podcast. Holy shit. So they ask Harper and Ethan what they watch. And Ethan says it's documentaries. It's Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Since we you, watch Ted Lasso. You go, Ethan. <laughs> I'm down straight up with the documentaries and Ted Lasso. Here's the I, thing. I know why they threw Ted Lasso in there. Like, to I get the joke. Ted yes. Lasso is still a good show. I stand by Ted Lasso as a show. There's a butt coming. No, that's it. Okay, that's it. there's no butt. I but, just I'm just saying. I stand by that show. I get the joke. I understand why it's a butt of a joke. Yes. but I still think it's a good show. I'm not. I'm not going to sell out Ted Lasso. I, I I do love that Harper has. I love that Ethan has watched it and Harper hasn't. Because that means they actually separately watched, they had separate watch patterns on the perp on the subject of Ted Lasso. So my question for you is: Has she watched it and not liked it, or has she heard? Oh my God, you have to watch this show. It's so good. Everybody loves it. Liberals and conservatives can can, can agree about it, and he's so nice, and it will just make every like. And then she, being her sort of like super negative, like 
everything's burning to the ground is like I I refuse to watch something that is is sold to me as positivity. The fact she says I don't watch Ted Lasso screams she never watched it. She only just purposely has been reading articles on the subject of how Ted Lasso is presenting a warped view of reality that could never exist and is blinding the masses as to what happiness can be and what performance and what change can actually occur in the world. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think she judges everybody at the table for having watched Ted Lasso. And that's why I was like, hey, fuck you, Harper. I still like Ted Lasso. You're not going to make me dislike it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to paint Ted Lasso as the uncool thing here on the Mango Talks podcast network. So Ethan then comments about how there is too much content straight out of your mouth, Spencer. Very much so. Straight up there with him. Uh, yeah. So many times I've been like, Spencer, you should watch X. And like, I can just tell. I can just tell. I can tell like the two seconds, the two seconds after I say it that I've given you homework you don't want. It's like, uh, he's not watching that shit. There's no way. It, it, um, it's reached a that's point exactly where, what's going on with Ethan here. If it's a true support, we could say, man, this is just straight up Lawrence of Arabia mixed with Casablanca with an even dose of, you know, the Godfather. I'm like, and so yeah, you'd be like, yeah, I'll get to it sometime. I'm sure it's great. Next year. Maybe like, yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> Harper. It's like, we're all entertaining each other while the world burns. Daphne then it got super quiet again, and uh, Daphne just goes, "I love a binge." And you know what, Daphne? I love uh, you. Daphne. You're you, me, and you are not me, me and Daphne are not two peas in a pod. But I love a binge too. I agree. I also like a binge. Uh, this is one of the things of where this conversation could have gone so pleasantly between these people, but everyone is trying so hard for it not to. Cameron then takes his shirt off, you know, because he look, dude, he can't he can't swim, so he's got to get some sun, right? I mean, got to mm-hmm. take that shirt off. Got to. I mean, that's not weird at all because he went through it, but he, he can't sw- Why can't he swim Spencer? Cause he went through Rome and not Munich and he doesn't have his luggage. That's why I got to go through Munich people. Can this guy he, not buy a bathing suit in the area or something? I mean, he's treating it as this, like my vacation is ruined now, but it's like, that is the very good point. Like he should, I, I would have probably told this guy who has talked about his rich to go buy a fucking bathing suit. Hell five star resort. They'll get you a bathing suit. No issue. Yes. No question. No Delivered problem. to your no room. Yep, they will. A hundred percent. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you, that's the circles you roll in, Spencer. Five star resorts. You know about that. Well, sometimes they, you know, laugh at me when I walk by their front door to go to the, the Motel 6. But, you know, I'm aware that these things happen. <laughs> Do they scream at you like Lucia? Hey, what are you doing in here? <laughs> Get out of my hotel. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Even when I've got a room. <laughs> Ethan offers him a suit and ask Harper to get it for him since she was going up anyway. I've known Hart. I've known Cameron for about 20 minutes now would never in a million years send him up to a hotel room with my wife. Never. I was not I, happening. I was honestly surprised because Ethan not happening knows this guy. He's very aware. This guy gives vibes that, Totally, when he's alone, he's going to hit on your wife because that's what he do. Never, and I would be like, if 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 Harper's standing there, no, forget. If Cameron is like, hey, I need a bathing suit, and my wife is like, I'm going upstairs. I'll get you one. Come with me. I'd be like, tag it along. That's exactly. What I was <laughs> let's all go together back to the hey, let's party. All, you know what? I need to. Str- I would. I do the old stretch my legs, need to breath fresh air type of thing. I know mm-hmm. I'm outside, but I need some fresh air, so I'm going to walk with you. Uh, yeah, not going to do that. That was a weird move on Ethan's part. Absolutely very strange. Now, here's the question for you. When Cameron says he'll go with her and they walk off, Spencer, did you notice the look on Daphne's face? Yes. Yes, I did. And I, so, I couldn't exactly whew. unpack it. I was curious of your thoughts. 
I think he's done this before, and I think that there is a. I think there's. I think there's a little Laura Dern in here somewhere. <laughs> she's got a little. She's got a little bit of that in there somewhere that's going to come out at some point. I'm. I'm actually. Str- I'm straight there with you. This looked like a, a being very aware of about what's back. What's about to occur, and it even translated into the kind of look that she gives Ethan afterwards. It was almost a certain element of commiseration about. Okay, so this is going to be a thing now, and I'm here for you for that. Yeah, I, I think she's. I think she knows what Cameron's up to here, right? So, uh, cut to Tanya and Greg having sex. At some point during this, Tanya gets freaked out because she's looking at the, at the head statue, um, and then she tries to explain it, and it. I cannot make heads or tails. I, here's what she says: I must have been disassociating. I was seeing all these faces of men with these very effeminate hairstyles. And then I saw you and your eyes were like shark eyes. Like we're just completely dead. Just like dead must've been that Bonnie. I took on the flight. What? What? I don't know what to make of this. I am, I am with her. There nearly need to be a lot fewer heads in these rooms, please. Can we, that? Um, but at the same time, I don't know what this is. Yeah, that is so fucking weird. Like, uh, I don't know. And, you know, another thing is like if you, you know, I don't work blue like you do, but if you are in the middle of this with somebody and they're apt to just occasionally start screaming and like push you off of them and start talking nonsense, like I would be, I don't know, maybe I'd be like hiding behind the room service menu from time to time too. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking right. Yeah. (laughs) She then tells him she needs a break. All right. He needs a break. So he takes off. Uh, he sees an empty sleeve of macaroons. This is the moment where I put Greg on my shit list. It was the you, macaroons I, that did it. I don't fucking like this at all. This really got me angry. He says, how do you expect to lose weight if you inhale five macaroons and you don't even remember it? Obviously making her feel bad about herself. Yeah, this is not great. I don't like this at all. If you have a partner who's trying to lose weight berating them when they eat something is the exact fucking wrong way to go what? about it. Fuck Greg for this. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting too. Cause I didn't pick up. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't get much from Greg season one. We got a bit, but I didn't get asshole from him. This not this in, bad. Uh, this, this surprises me. Yeah. This guy's a straight up asshole this entire episode. And it's, that's why I got so mad about this is I didn't expect this. Like this whole like berating her about her weight thing. Because like remember in season one where she like does the, she does a similar freak out thing when they're having sex. And he's yeah. like, yeah, but I'm staying. And I still I still want to be near you. I still want to have sex with you. Like I, I understand you just lost your mind there, but I'm not going anywhere. Like that guy I had no idea would be the berate you for eating something because I think you're fat guy. Yeah, it's it. Maybe spoiling things to a certain degree, but Greg is definitely my top three for worst people in this episode. Oh, he, he's making he's making multiple lists of mine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut to the room with Harper and Cameron. Um, she gives this is the the probably the most I would say talked about scene on social media from the episode. I would say very very much so. Sure, yeah, uh huh. Uh, she gives, she gives him some trunks and he goes into this whole thing about how they don't like, they don't know each other that well, but like Ethan didn't bring a lot of girls around before. So I'm just happy he found someone. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Cameron means to be like insulting his buddy and hitting on his buddy's girlfriend. But when you corner your buddy's partner 
and start running your buddy down about how he's never had girlfriends before. And it's just so great. He finally has somebody that's a shitty fucking thing to do from Cameron. Like that is no, like this thing of him changing in front of her. I think he did it on purpose. You, there's a chance that was an accident. This is no accident. I don't think, I think he's just being like not cool to his, but he clearly, he clearly is in this relationship with Ethan where he thinks he's better than him. And he has no problem just openly talking about the fact that Ethan's this loser who doesn't get girls, et cetera, et cetera, whenever and wherever. And it's like, dude, you're adults now. Stop that shit. Fuck Cameron. That's my rant. I'm, I'm with you. The first, this comment, this line right here in a vacuum, I could have just interpreted as being, oh, he's just that self-absorbed, unaware that he actually thinks this is a compliment where he's trying to bond, to bond with her to a certain degree. He's Maybe. running his buddy down in front of his wife. Absolutely. That is doing. what he's doing. But then you couple that with the scene here in a half second of where he starts in one point of the room, but then purposely walks to a place of where she can be seen in the mirror. And the scene becomes more, even more apparent. Yeah, she goes to get sunscreen lotion, and he moves closer, like across the room, to where Not he where can. He, started. he clearly, he clearly can see her in the mirror out of the side of his eye because he stops right at the mirror, takes his pants off, penis in the in the shot, the whole thing, and then puts his pants back on. Now, a lot has been made on social media of the look that Harper gives both the mirror and then when she looks down and then later looks at him as he's leaving Spencer, how did you make the, this look? Cause I literally said to my wife, I don't know if she's going to fuck him or kill him, but both are on the table and both might actually happen. I, I think those emotions are in her head in equal measure. And they are at war right now of where clearly at first she's just caught off guard and doesn't know how to respond, but she does many- take a peek. She takes more than one peek. Um, there's any number of things that she could have done here. Clearly, she's caught off guard and doesn't know what to do. But I'm with you. There is a certain element of, by the end of the show, Harper may murder this guy. May fuck him first. That could happen. I'm not sure. Because she, she seems, like, confused. Then, but, like... Intrigued. Like... In spite of herself intrigued and then angry at the end, like yes. and then mad at him at the end as he's walking out. So I, she, I tell you, I love how Aubrey Plaza played this because it is, you could, it, she puts so much into that scene. It just leaves our head spinning as viewers as to what she was thinking. And like that, that's exactly what you want in the first episode. Cause it makes me want to keep watching to know what did she, what does she really think of this guy? And we don't get an answer later when she's talking to Ethan, because that conversation is like, weird and stilted we still don't know what she really thought of that situation to make it all the more apparent that he absolutely totally knows what he did and did intentionally he doesn't even make really an effort to hide at the end because he just literally just turns right and then starts talking to her no surprise about where he was or anything else no like degree of oh sorry you know i didn't realize it's just he literally just turns right and walks in and he he knows he was just standing there He's talking to her, so she knows she has line of sight through the mirror. Yeah, he knows exactly what he did. He knows exactly what he did. Um, I, I, I think there's like I think there's you can make an argument that maybe he didn't, or maybe he's just clueless or whatever. I'm, it's not a hundred percent, but I think he knew what he did. I think the I think the running down his friend earlier in the conversation, he he knows what he's doing there, and like he he might like here's the thing: if he 
he either knows what he's doing and he's purposely running down his friend in front of his wife because he's going to hit on his wife mm-hmm. or or he naturally places himself so much higher than Ethan that he thinks this is just a normal way to talk about his buddy. I mean, like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm just going to talk to his wife about how he was such a fucking loser before. And I'm so glad some woman finally found him. Like, he, if he if he if he's not doing that purposely, then he's almost more of an asshole <laughs> in a weird way. It, it only gets worse. Time. Even before he exits the scene, he has he has the call to say, eh, these are a little snug, aren't they? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's just you just saw what I'm working with. These are snug, right? It's also fun to see that apparently for every season we're going to get of this show, it is required that in episode one, we get to see a penis. That is apparently something yeah, that's going to carry through in every scene. Mandatory episode one penis quota. So this is not like a new hope to a force awakens, but it's, it's kind of similar because there's a lot of similar beats in this first episode, right? It, it makes it all the more interesting where things notably different because of how many similarities they have. And I'm betting they're going to play with our expectations because of that going forward. Cut to Albie and Dominic. Dominic is telling Albie that Bert is going to stay with him since, you know, Dominic has work stuff. You know, I got work I mean, stuff. Work you stuff. LA. It's going to be off of weird hours. You know, work stuff. Cut to Mia and Lucia. I, I, Mia's I'll, ask. I want to clarify something, by the way. Whenever I've told you I've got work stuff to do, I don't mean whores. I just want to have that on the record right now. Yep. Yep. I have thought a lot, like when you say I got work stuff, I've thought the uh, of a number of things that, uh, first off, I know you're working pretty much, but I have thought in the past, like maybe he just doesn't want to do it. I have never thought he just wants to go bang a hooker. Never, never, <laughs> never crossed my mind. Gotta <laughs> say. It's nice, never, it's never nice that we understand each other so well. Odds of him banging a hooker, low. Never, never have. Uh, not even thought of that once. So she's still looking for the guy who uh, procured her services. My, my, my favorite character, Lucia. Lucia says they should do a, she's just, God, this is so funny. She's just talking to her friend Mia, right? And she's like, hey, we should just do a threesome. threesome. And like Mia, Mia's like, what? Like, <laughs> you won't have to do anything. I'll do the most of the work. I'll do all the work. She says, I got that in all caps. It's <laughs> hilarious. And, and then she says, look, and then we can charge more. And then she drops this line, which by the way, is not like, it's absolutely, there's a lot of wisdom in this line. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good to be a prostitute. Let me get, let me get that clear. I'm sure. not saying yeah, that, yeah, but there, but there is, I am, I do think that she's, she's not a stupid person. She says, be practical, get what you can from them while you are young. Like it's, it, it's sad. She's put in that situation economically, but that's not, that's not a dumb thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so she says she needs the money to make music. This is Mia. Um, and, uh, she's saying like, Hey, you, Mia, you need the money to make music. You're so talented. So we, we learned that Mia's a musician, right? Mm-hmm. And Mia says, I'll go with you, but no threesome. So off they go back into the resort. So this is like what the third time today they've been at this resort. Like, they just keep, they basically have not gone home. They just like go in, get kicked out, go back in like two hours later. They've had a long day of just kind of being outside on the street looking in really. Yeah. Um, so cut to the guy playing the piano. This is a, one of these like guys just i so i went on a a, a river cruise uh, yes. a few years ago and um it was like the viking river cruise yeah i went on that and there was one of these guys that every night on the ship he was just out there playing uh the piano i liked this guy he he got a little annoyed that i kept asking for piano man he, he didn't like that he was like i don't know i only play piano man one time i asked for it like four nights in a row oh, I like piano so man. You. <laughs> and uh I liked him. And from what I could tell, he seemed okay. But 
I always got the impression that like he was like two sentences away from being like the creeper who's going to be in a guest room. Mm. Like I, mm. I was like, uh, like I, I'm going to keep this guy just at this elbow length. Did, did, <laughs> he, 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 just like this guy, just like the, the vibe this guy's giving off. Did he just play or did he also sing? He sang too. That's, sure. that, that's the line there. They're just playing the piano or harp or violin or whatever else. Great. They're also singing my skis vibes go through the roof real fast. Yeah. And he was like up at the bar a lot and was like talking to the guest and like, ah, yeah. I was just always like, ah, I don't know if I trust this guy. The same vibe with this piano player, right? Me and Lucia are getting ready in the bathroom. Lucia is telling some lady to go poop somewhere else. Like, get the hell out of here. Like, mm-hmm. she's the best. Tonya and Greg show up to dinner. But when they get there, Portia is at a table in the center of the hotel. Now, I look, this is not like white snake moan, right? I don't think, or black snake moan. I don't think that, like, she should be chained up to a radiator in her fucking hotel room. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that, like, you're being paid to be there. Your boss has asked you to do something. Like, if you're not going to quit, and by the way, if she quit, that'd be totally reasonable. But if she's not going to quit, like, you don't have to eat in the center of the fucking dining room. Like, that seems unforced error to me. What did you think? I, I agree it's unforced. Perhaps she just did not know that, you know, it, they would overlap at this given hour, at this given time. There's a certain degree of happenstance going into that. I also think that this girl screams in over her head and just really doesn't necessarily know how to go about doing these things. Yeah, because she later. yeah, that's such a good point, Spencer, because she does mention before, like, so she's young. She just lived through COVID and she talked about being stuck in her apartment for three years. You're, that's a really good point, dude. She might just be absolutely socially clueless. I think, I think that's perfectly fair from what we've seen so far, where I think she has a certain degree of starry eyed expectations for what the real world is like and has no process, no real thought process of how to go about doing it. Cut to DeGrasso. Well, t- but first Tanya freaks out, goes over to Portia, tells her, hey, yeah, why'd you leave your room? And Portia says, I had to eat, which was pretty funny. Good response. Tanya tells, her, hold- Tanya tells her to hold the menu over her face, which is actually really funny because her husband just held the menu over his face trying yeah. to not have sex with her. Um, pretty funny. So cut to DeGrasso and Bert. Bert is chatting up the waitress. Shocker. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, hey, Spencer, did you know he's Italian? Uh, from Sic- from Sicily, even. They're Sicilian. Just like you. Dominique pushes her. Dominic pushes her to actually put the drink order in when, and then, you know, she has to leave. And, uh, they have another discussion about Bert's flirting. He says, flirting is one of life's great joys. Spencer, would you agree with that? Flirting is one of life's great joys. Flirting can be actually quite a bit of fun. I will actually, this is the one moment I will agree with Bert. No, this, here we go. Isolate it. One of two moments. I will agree with Bert before this episode is done. Put it on social. Flirting is a lot of fun. Stop laughing. Keep right. moving on with the Spencer, recap. Spencer agrees. Flirting is one of life's great choice. I, 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 I would strongly disagree with flirting as one of life. I'm not saying flirting can't be fun. Of course it can. But, you know, like life's great joys. I don't know. Uh, sunset. I don't uh, know. Being in the ocean for the we, first time. Seeing the mountains when the leaves change. Like there's a lot of life joys I would put over casually flirting with a waitress. Are you flirting with people while you're doing those things? Improvement already. Yeah, I, I don't know, Bert. I, I think I think <laughs> I don't know what you've done in your eighty years, but I got a lot of other things I'm gonna put above that as life's great choice. So Albie doesn't understand it. Um I love the vibe between Albie and his granddad. because uh, he just seems like he's willing to ask him any question and his granddad's totally reasonable and like 
answering the question. It's a cool vibe between the two of them. I love the, the back and forth banter between these characters because I kept on expecting for there to be a line and for some character to call out on it and the conversation to stop, but they never hit it. They just talk honestly with each other and they just keep going back and forth on it. It's great. It's actually a, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a fun, healthy relationship as they talk about some kind of weird shit. Yeah, because he's like, can it, like, can you, and he's like, oh yeah, I still can. <laughs> and he says, actually, I'm, he says, I'm still a man. Here's a creepy line for you. I get older and older, but the women I desire remain young. It's natural. And now everybody at the table is disgusted with him. So then he turns and he starts some counteroffensive. And he says, you can relate to that, right, Dominic? (laughs) (laughs) A very awkward moment passes between them because it's clear that Dominic doesn't want his son to know his proclivities. Bert then says, doctors say you got to release once a day. Otherwise, you get backed up. Spencer, common knowledge. Every doctor knows it. This is like... You know, this is like um, allergies change, you know, or that, you know, arthritis is like something you'll get as you get. I mean, this is just common medical knowledge in 2022. Now, you, you got to help me here because, you, you know, I don't go to a doctor much. Uh, how often? No, you don't. How often do you te- are you informed by your standard physician you need to drain the sack? Is that a regular thing? Um, it's like a, on every other appointment or every appointment? Just give me information here because I clearly lack it. So that's obviously a no, but th- this is actually funny because on this podcast network, on this podcast network, on a podcast, I think, I think we were doing it on Mangum Talks, or it might have been Whiskey on the Weekends. It was one of the two. I caught wind that you didn't go to the doctor, and I raised enough hell that I think your mom listened to it and forced you to go to the doctor. <laughs> I literally got a call from my mom two days later saying, so I heard from Lee that you went to the doctor. Did he call you? He's like, no, I listened to the podcast. So I've already, even better, she scheduled me an appointment. She picked the physician and scheduled for me to go in. Thank you, Lee. That was so really funny. appreciated it. That was hilarious. And I was like, dude, you have to go to the doctor. And then like your mom picks up on it. And then I catch when you're going to the doctor. Oh, I did and totally did not suggest I need to drain my sack. So I feel like I'm being misled right now. You didn't. You didn't get that. That's not. not it is common knowledge. Common knowledge. This is why I don't trust doctors, man. You can't. They don't even give you the. You must have not gone to a GP. Must have not gone to a GP. (laughs) Cut to me and Lucia walking in, and uh, whoa. Uh, Mm. (laughs) I approve. They are dressed. They are. You do. Oh, Spencer approves. What was that, Spencer? I I I think they both look very nice. (laughs) Totally. When I say I'm working, I'm actually working. Stop. You're just working. <laughs> so I, I, I got I to gotta start questioning when you're saying, ah, you know, I got a lot of work emails tonight. Look good. Spencer, Spencer approves. Cameron immediately leans over to Ethan and says, hookers. <laughs> he's just he's just something. Bert says, looks like a couple of locals, uh, which is old man for hooker. Yes. And Cameron then says, come on, man. You don't recognize a hooker just like in college. Ethan was the original incel. Dude, come on. I'm kidding. Fuck? You could, you could have gotten laid. You're a handsome guy. You didn't leave the room. He says, oh, you're a handsome guy. You could have gotten laid. He didn't leave the room. Now, here's the thing. Harper, you don't have to be a social director. You don't have to do anything in this situation. You're not obligated. But if you want to support your husband, the thing you say is, yeah, yeah, he can. He can fuck whoever he wants to. You know, he fucks me all the time. He's awesome. Or something. Something like that no. where you just cut the knees out of this comment, but she says than, he's still like that. Ugh. I felt real bad for Ethan here. I feel like, I just feel like Cameron has this sense that they got when they were young 
that he's just better than Ethan. And so like every comment out of his mouth is like just derogatory. It's putting himself on a pedestal, putting Ethan lower. And he's willing to do it around his wife enough that I, that plus the, I'm going to change. Like, I just feel like he's trying to fuck his wife. That's what I'm trying to say here. I, I almost feel that this is Harper trying to meet her husband halfway about, you know, engaging with the conversation. Cause she, one could interpret what she said as being like playful banter. If she's not at all reading the room of how her husband's reacting to what Cameron said. She very much could have been doing that. You're, you're, you're right because he has, she's, she's trying to do like, you're right. I, I, that's why, that's why I led with like, she's under no obligation to do this. Right. But if she did want to support him in that situation, the way she could have done it is X. This thing that she says though, you're right. She could have been trying to connect with Cameron or at least participate in the banter, but it's just not the right moment. No. Ethan responds pretty like, no, that's not true. You, He's not like you know doing it with a smile or joking back. He's recoiling a bit, like, dude, fuck off. Here's what you do. You want to know what you do in this situation if you're if you're Ethan? Please, Megan, freshman year. Patricia, oh, sophomore year. Oh, take notes. Alice, Alice, sophomore year. Didn't know we were going with that. Amy, Perfect. Amy, sophomore. Like, just start fucking. You can lie, but just name them. Like. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Don't let this, don't let this sand. Don't let this, this hostility stand. This guy just calls you an incel in front of your wife. Yeah, Fuck that shit. You pull out a fake book and just start reading down the alphabet of, oh yeah, you know, I could have been like you and Amanda. Just go all the A's. Like, we'll go on to the B's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least I didn't get syphilis. Yeah, they should fire something like that out of, you know. <laughs> then they go back, this back and forth about what they're going to order. So here's the thing. Harper clearly normally orders for them. Uh, and they share. Is a parent. And they share. Now, my question for you, Spencer, is do you, I know y'all share malteds. I mean, obviously when there's a milkshake on the menu, got to share it hundred percent little lady in the tramp situation. Yes. Um, but my question for you is, do you share food? And is it, if you do, is it presumed everywhere you go that you will share? Uh, it is not presumed. Uh, I'll, we, it will be a a specific topic of discussion of like, Hey, you know, we like a few of these dishes. Do you want to share a few of them? And then we'll like say, well, I like these and she'll like these and we'll compromise. It's one of those kind of things. It's a specific talk that goes into it. It's not a presumption of, so we're ordering these three things, right? Yeah? Okay, good. That That is not the relationship there. And it is interesting yeah, we that don't that have, is theirs. Yeah, we don't have a good story, right? Because that's exactly what me and my wife do, which is what normal people should do, which is you just talk about it yeah. and you make a decision. Like, it's just, yeah, pretty straightforward. But for some reason, Harper clearly orders for him. But Ethan... Presumably because they're in public and presumably because they're in front of Cameron, who just called him an incel and constantly, you know, dismisses him and basically calls him a loser without calling him a loser. Feels like he can't allow this right now. So then he pushes, pushes on the whitefish. Now, here's the thing. All right. This is really important information. Probably the most important thing I'll talk about all podcasts. Here for it. If it is called a whitefish, it is not fishy, quote fishy. And by the way, there is no faster way. To signal to everyone around you that you're difficult is to say, I don't know if I want that fish because I don't want it to taste like fish. Like, just stop with that. Like you are, whenever you do that, you put a big signal light as like, this person is hard to deal with. I don't yes. like fishy fish. You know what else I don't like, Pincer? I don't like shrimp that tastes like shrimp or I don't know, you know chicken <laughs> tastes like chicken. Like, give me a fucking break. It's yeah. fish. It tastes like fish. 
it's also yeah, just one of those anyway. things. It's the most important thing I'll say all night. Yeah, it's also one of those moments where he's saying, you know, I kind of want the fish. It's like, okay, well, you get that, and, you know, I'll get this instead. You, you work with the flow. You don't immediately just build a dam as the river's trying to go by. I know, because her reaction when she's not... It's like, no, you're not like, doing that. ...clued in... When she's, yeah, when she's not clued in that the other people are watching us, she might need to like cover for him or something. She just goes, yeah, well, you can have it tomorrow. It's like, whoa, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, but I'll, but I'll the funniest shit. around the menu I had for you and move that around, but we're going to talk about this later. But the funniest shit, like as some, as somebody like, I like, I like food, right? I, 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 I know about drink. I don't drink, but I know about drink. Like is that Cameron and Daphne say they want white wine and Harper could not be more put off. <laughs> That they're white wine people. <laughs> she just smirks, yeah. smirks at the white wine. And my wife is so clued into this, right? They say white wine, white wine. And Sarah just goes, Oh no, Harper's not going to like it. Like, she didn't say Harper, but I think she saw Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Aubrey Plaza is not going to like that. She's a red wine person Excellent for sure. Red. Oh, hard. Yes. Yeah. Hunt cut to Portia and Tanya looking at each other. And Tanya tells her, go to your room, go to your room. So she does. I, I do love the scare chord we get when Portia realizes that Tanya's looking at her. It's straight up just horror vibes. So I think there's even like a scream attached to it, too, of where we're seeing Tanya not at her best, of where she feels like she can control another person and that person could potentially mess with her, and she's booking no argument on this subject right now. Well, I know you were a big Tanya stand. I get that. I Well, really control not is a tough... Episode. Well, but control is a tough thing to sit, like she is working for her like i i i know obviously like it's also harper's not lie to your over, husband you look, start there. harper's gonna harper's gonna be all over my shit here right because obviously there's limits on what you can do as an employer i yes. understand that one thousand percent but like you can give like you can when somebody's working for you you can tell them what to do like within reason like, yep. and i think go to your room is not or at least get out of here is not not all that i don't know it doesn't seem that unreasonable <laughs> to me but i guess, I guess i'm maybe on the minority here you also cannot put another person in the middle of your, your your family squabble by lying to your husband about what the other person is going to do, which is just nightmarishly awkward forever going forward. You're, That's true. You are an unwillful participant in somebody else's lie. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Then we see um, Lucia take off and Valentina, who is in the middle of preaching to her employer that the employee that this isn't his grandmother's bed and breakfast. This is a five star hotel sees the working prostitute walk through her lobby and starts screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Lucia vanishes. Shout out to Lucia. She's got like uh, some hidden doors or something. That, that, that was hotel. impressive she's, there. Yeah. 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 She knows what she's doing. So another beautiful cutaway. This one is one of a cross on a ridge in a nighttime. Um, and it, the cross looks like it is, um, has f- like fallen and that like the earth under it is falling and it's collapsing. And I think it's like this, like, Obviously, an image of collapsing morality, right? Um, that we're seeing all throughout. So, like these cutaways, I think they're tra- always trying to like instill some sort of like Themes. motif or symbol or theme or something in it to give you an idea of what they're trying to do in the episode. And this one is basically there's no morality in this shit because what are we about to get? We're about to get the prostitute go to Dominic's room, right? That's what we're about to get. Before then, though, we're going to see each couple debrief on the subject of the other couple, and I'm here for it. Cut to Albie. He's in the room with Bert. Bert just keeps farting. So Albie takes yeah. off. He's I think you're fine. You you didn't hit your head. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, I should yeah. I should go. I'll see you in the I should go. I'll see you in the morning. Bert doesn't care. I think he's probably I think he's probably unloading everything he's got in the well to get <laughs> Albie out of there. <laughs> I have never heard it referred to that way, but I'm here for it. 
is unloading he's just, everything he's, he's got he's, in the well. He's pushing them all out because he wants the room to himself. That's my my thought on this. Fair enough. So as Albie as Albie's walking down the hall, it is boxers. He sees Lucia, which is hilarious, mm. and she's going to. It, and here's the thing: if Albie would just take a few more seconds to get into his room, he would see what's going on because Lucia just goes two doors down and goes right to his father's room. I, hey, if I'm Albie there, I am totally. If I, if I see that girl walking down that hallway, I am totally fumbling oh. with my key for a few more seconds. I'm just of course too you would probably. Yeah, you just talked about how you liked what you saw when they walked in the room. You'd probably be following. No, I've got work to do in my room. Yeah, of course you do. You've got work to do. <laughs> you and you and Dominic got work to do. Uh, so here's a moment like we're, so we're joking a lot, right, about this episode. And we should because White Lotus is absurd. There is a real moment here that I want to talk about. And it's where Lucia, who is a prostitute, right? Yes. Is about to go into the room with a John, which can be very, very dangerous for women. And she has this moment where she stops and, and all of the facade falls away and she looks kind of worried and scared and she has to will herself up to knock on the door. I thought that just that moment of realism was really, really striking to me. I I thought that was great. I even loved that it continued on even after he opened the door because for a second after he opens the door, she's still looking down like she's just trying to brace herself for what's about to happen. And then she looks up and then she goes back into character again. It Very well done little moment of acting right there. Yeah. And she doesn't realize that she's like, quote, safe. I mean, she's not, I mean, she's being paid for sex. So I don't know how safe she ever is, but like yeah. that it, this guy isn't like overtly violent or something. She doesn't really realize that until like he starts talking. And then you see this moment where she, she kind of shifts a little bit and she's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll work with this guy basically. It is a fascinating moment of when it happens of when suddenly she's more comfortable than he is. And that's a great transfer kind of power and balance right there. Then we have Mia and the piano player sharing a drink and talking. Mia explains she's also a musician and he is very much disinterested in that completely. Does not give give a a fuck. Doesn't give a fuck. But he goes right into bargaining, asking how much he has to pay. She gets angry, flips the drink in his face and leaves. So I got two points on this. I want to point out one is that having a drink thrown in your face at your place of employment from a young woman might not, might not be a good look. It might jeopardize your job. I would just say, I mean, I, I know if I was like employing him to work my, 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 uh, you know, uh, room, my grand ballroom or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's sitting with a woman 30 years as younger and she f- fucking throws a drink in his face and leaves. I'd be like, okay, I think I got a creep on my hands. Particularly at this kind of place, at this high quality establishment, Guests are going to be talking about that in a way you don't want. Yeah, he's got to go, right? So, and the second thing is, I know why she's offended. I think. I mean, on the surface, anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like it seems like he called her a prostitute. Like, I can see why that would be really offensive. But, from his perspective, I also do think that there's a way of looking at this where he might just think there's no way that she'd be interested in talking to him if he wasn't paying for it. And, like, through that lens... <clears throat> It might be him showing just how low a self-esteem he really has. That he thinks, well, obviously, she doesn't really care about me or anything. She's just here for paycheck because she's beautiful and I'm old and ugly or whatever. Like, that could be something he's thinking. I just wanted to point that out. You just made that tragic in a way I didn't really see the scene. But that is an interesting read. Yeah. So it's not, yes, it's offensive. But I also think it could be, like, kind of sad. Um Yeah. So cut to Cameron and Daphne. Cameron wonders if Ethan regrets marrying such a dud. <laughs> I've never heard Aubrey Plaza referred to as a dud before. This is a new one on me. 
Yeah, I think she's anything but, my friend. Um, but he does say, you know, now that he's loaded, you know, now that he's loaded, now that he's yes. loaded, do you think he, like, right. basically, like, his idea, so you could tell how he thinks of dating, right? Because he's like, well, he made this decision when he wasn't, like, higher on the dating pecking order than, you know, because now, he now he's got more money, so obviously he could get a, quote, better girl. You can tell that's where his head's at, right? That is definitely his perspective on this. I do like that Daphne is starting, she's like starting the conversation in a way that they've clearly already had a conversation before that she's returning to, of where she opens basically kind of defending Harper to a certain degree. Well, she was much more talkative by the pool, and you know, she was quite nice at dinner. And Cameron's just having none of it. Doesn't even make an effort to try to offer any degree of, you know, mending the, mending the, the uh, bonds between them. Daphne wants to FaceTime kids again. So I, here's the thing. I uh, married now, happily married, love my wife. But I did obviously date before I was with my wife. And I dated – my wife and I didn't get – we weren't high school sweethearts or something. We got married, like, in our 30s. Mm -hmm. So I dated a lot in my 20s, right? And I did date women who had young children at one point. And this thing of, like, you're you're <laughs> you're away from the kids for a night – and they're just like, no, I want to call the kids again. No, I want to call the kids. Like, that is a real thing. Real. Like, <laughs> very real. That is very, very real something. So how does Cameron deal with this, Spencer? Tickle, Tickle attack. That's how he deals with it. Tickle attack. That's how he deals with it. I, I thought, I, Harper, I, I, cut, I thought, cut over to Harper and Ethan. And Harper asks the very legitimate question, is he hurting her? <laughs> and then at some point he runs into the bathroom screaming, monkey man, monkey man. Okay, Spencer, what's your, what's your take on the tickle scene? I, th I thought it was kind of cute between the two of them. They, it seemed like they were both very into I did it. Too. It seemed like they were having a lot of fun. Too. It seemed like yeah. it was emphasizing the certain element of just innocent, carefree mentality that goes into their relationship that Harper and Ethan don't have. Now, they look but down on the it. Thing. They mock it. But, yeah. But here's the thing. I don't think they're necessarily looking down on it and mocking it. I think that there is a sense of... They're they're wondering should we be doing something like that? I think and they're publicly looking down and mocking it, but in their heads, very much so. Yes, but like the the, the reality is, is they mock, like that same care. Like we're just doing our normal thing. Mm -hmm. Their normal thing might be sitting in bed reading a book. And like that might great. be their thing. That's fine. and that's totally okay. You don't have to compare yourself to Tickle Monster and Monkey Monkey Man or whatever the hell he called himself. No, if you are happy with your spouse doing what you're doing, you are succeeding. That's all it is. For sure. That's a wonderful way of putting it. If you're happy, you're succeeding. And that, and they were before they heard Tickle Monster and Monkey Man. Wait, which is, I'm sure for Ethan, just the worst. Because I imagine that's been just Cameron and his relationship forever. Of where, oh, I'm happy. God. But then here comes Cameron. And now I'm not happy anymore. Yeah, and also, like, he's he was his roommate. Think about how many times he heard Cameron having sex. Or doing whatever with women. He's probably like... A lot. Well, I got three pages of A's already, which we can read off if we want to. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan um, then thanks Harper for making an effort. Says, hey, they're fun, right? They're fun. And she just goes, they don't vote, Ethan. <laughs> this is where it just Come gets on. really judgy. Is where This is, again, the public element I was talking about of where they just didn't proceed spend the next, like, 35 seconds just mocking them endlessly with Ethan just kind of going, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. So... Would you, if you learned that someone didn't vote, would that like change your ability to be their friend? Not really. No. No, not me either. Like not, not even a little bit. Like I'd be like, okay, that's don't, fine. Like don't it's a personal vote, decision. Watch, no, date, okay. watch Dateline, watch reality TV. 
None of these are deal breakers whatsoever if I'm enjoying spending time with these people. No, me neither. Not at all. Ethan then says, it's good to have diverse friends. And I, in all caps, completely agree with that. We have, like, give me give me 15 seconds to preach. Can, can you give me that? I'm ready for it. All right. I'm sorry, everybody, if I sound like super preachy. I just apologize ahead of time. I think it's super great to have diverse friends. Like, if you are a NPR listening liberal who, you know, lives on one of the coastal states or whatever, go find some Republican friends and vice versa. Like, having not even just political spectrum. Like, if you're a you're somebody who works in front of a computer, find somebody who works with their hands and be friends with them. Like, it is totally great to have friends that are do not have the same life experience and perspective as you are. Like. Ethan is on to something here, but Harper just completely dismisses it and is like, well, I guess that maybe we're their diverse friends because we're white, we're white uh, passing diverse, we're their white passing diverse friends. And there might be a lot of truth in that too, right? But he did, he did make a good point. Like it is, it's very good to have a set of diverse friends. And that's something I think that like, it's good to value. Like I have people who I really value because they disagree with me about certain things. And I want to just make sure that that voice stays in my life that I don't, I'm not in some fucking echo chamber. And like, I'm always told I'm right about everything. I'm straight there with you. Well said, man. I, I think Harper kind of, she spins this and mocks it. I think to a certain degree, unfairly, I think the fact that these two didn't, weren't able to interact that well earlier, were constantly butting heads with each other, weren't able to carry out an an ordinary conversation shows to a certain degree how isolated they've gotten in their circles in a way that maybe not Cameron or these people in particular, but it seems like they could be served by going outside their spheres a little bit more. So did you catch the book that Harper was reading? No, actually I didn't notice what she read. Lost Children Archive by Valerie Lucilia. I don't know this Lucili. book. Lucili. Here's, here's the Goodreads breakdown. Valerie Lucili's Lost Children Archive is a multitude of stories weaved masterfully into a coherent, all-encompassing story of a family falling apart. Oh, that looks like it's on point. In part inspired by the ongoing American policy of separating children from their parents at the American border. Mexican-American border. Well, I totally picture this character reading that book now. It also feels like it could be on theme for some of the things we're going to see in this show. I just want to know who involved in the production of White Lotus picked that book for her. That's the that's the question I have for the director. Like, whose job is it to like, oh, we need to pick like the right book for Harper. Like, how do we how do we find that? W- was this on the New York Times bestseller list? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a pretty popular. Book, I, yeah. I can picture them mining that list in terms of, OK, let's find the most on point topical book in that regard. Perfect. That one. Yeah, what does the New York Times say is good? That's probably what she'll like. <laughs> she then tells Ethan about Cameron taking his clothes off when she was in the bathroom. Now, Ethan mansplains to her that it's not a very big deal. And it seems like she accepts this. So my question for you, uh, my question for you, Spencer, is like, well, uh, well, let's go back. I mean, do you, do you think he's not mansplaining that to her? I mean, like, he's, no, no, I'm, I'm with like, you. She's, I, 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 she told him what she saw and he was like, no, you didn't see that. And it's like, well, no, that's what she saw. Yeah, my response would basically be, oh, I would have basically asked her, what do you think? What, what, do you, what do you think happened? Or how do you feel about that? Or check with yeah, her exactly. before you immediately just try to say, eh, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Like, how about, how about, are you okay? Yeah, start a, there. A, a, a relatively random man took his clothes off in front of you when you were alone. Are you all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's start there. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of that. But, um, so my question is, so she doesn't really push back, right? Because he's like, well, I don't know. It seems normal. And she just goes, she just turns around. Did you get the sense that like she accepted Ethan's explanation or did she do the thing of like, I know what I saw. Fuck you. 
I'm not sure. She seemed like she was still processing in some ways what it was. And the fact that he responded that way, I think she just kind of went, all right. I don't think she's, I don't think she agrees with him, but I don't think she knows well enough to disagree with him right now. Cut to Tanya who finds two macaroons. Validation! Fight! She is validated. Tanya, 100% validated. Winner of the episode. I also, I totally would have eaten all five of those macaroons. Not lying. Those look like good macaroons. for sure. Well, here's the, here's the problem, Greg, Greg, you can't tell your wife, you can't bring the assistant. This is supposed to be like our big vacation. This is supposed to be romantic and then go around calorie counting for her. That's not very romantic. Like you can't like, come on, buddy. Damn straight. Yeah. So she worked. And this is the thing that's so heartbreaking about Tanya, right? Is you see her screwing up the courage to approach him about this. Mm-hmm. And she gets up the whole, the will to do it. And she's like, Hey, look, I, here, here it is. I only did three. And he responds, Spencer, oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Well, you ate a whole panna cotta at dinner. This guy's an asshole. Uh, I'm, at, I'm done with podcast. I'm done. I'm done with podcast. I'm so mad at Greg. Ah. It really caught me off guard how much they are swinging to asshole with respect to this character. It's to a degree. I almost think they're going to do something with it because it's just. Not the read I had on this guy season one. Well, he was always pretty mysterious. I mean, you didn't really have a read on his motivations in season one. He was mysterious. Fair. But it it wasn't like in a way that felt malevolent. It wasn't a way that even felt necessarily manipulative. It felt like it was, we were seeing like why he was intriguing to her. Now we're maybe seeing, you know, beyond the mystery and the illusion. Yeah. He closes the door and she seems crushed. Beautiful cutaway scene here to water. And we cut to Dominique and Lucia. Um, he gets her a glass of champagne. She sits down on the chair. It's awkward. He's not speaking. She then explains that she went down to the dock. When his boat arrived, he asked her what she thought. And she says, very handsome. And he gives a, yeah, sure. You know, you're paid yeah. to say that. But does say thank you. Mm-hmm. She says, going to LA is her dream. But then she backs up and realizes, like, oh, shit. I hope he doesn't think I'm telling him I want to go with him to LA. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> uh, he explains he's going through a lot in his life. It's hard for him to make conversation, but you are very beautiful. I'm glad you're here. So that is the moment I really like where that I feel I did too. And I feel like that's the moment where she goes, Oh, I think I can kind of work with this guy. Like her, de- like I'm sure her defenses are still super high. Cause I mean, she's got to in this profession, but I think that she does kind of soften to him just a tad. Well, it was a certain display, displaying of vulnerability on his part. He was showing a certain element of, I'm not necessarily in the best place right now, so I'm sorry if I'm not interacting great with you. And that element of just honesty and vulnerability, I think she responded well to that because it allows her to not be on as much on her guard. Yeah, so she stands up. She says to Laura. She straddles him. They start hooking up. End of episode. End of recap. Episode one. Ciao. I, uh, sir, I, I didn't hear from you before. What did you feel about this episode? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved this setup. Um, I'm not watching White Lotus because I think it's like Daniel Day-Lewis, like, you know, in fucking Fair. Last of the Bohicans. Like, I'm watching it to be wildly entertained, and I was wildly entertained. What they do so well, and I think it might be just one guy who's behind this, but I'd love to know a little bit more about how that's, all this comes together. They have a, such a, and we talked about this during the recap, they do such a great job of creating characters that you can have A, very strong opinions about, and B, that you can see yourself or others in. They're very relatable characters in odd ways. And so, like, it just generates so much conversation. I was so excited to do a podcast about it because I knew we were going to do 
two hours on the recap because we were going to be breaking down if Harper's really a jerk or not. Like that's, that's the beauty of, of the writing of this show. So I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was a great setup episode. I also just appreciate the sort of in-world mystery of like who died or whatever. That's also fun to deal with, but the enjoyment for me is the people sitting in rooms talking. And that's what's been, that's what's so good about this show. And that's what I liked about episode one. Damn straight, man. I'm really on the same page. This is, I can tell how much I enjoyed the show by how much I enjoyed just talking about it with you. Yeah, it, we're going to have a lot of, we're, I, I, you know, we, we love A Song of Ice and Fire. We are going to have more fun in this podcast <laughs> than we did in Pot of the Dragon. I ah, promise you we will. Kids getting their eyes cut out, old guys dying from, you know, doing their last dedication to the realm, or couples bickering their ass off. Which one are we going to have more yeah. fun discussing necessarily? It's just, it, I just knew we were going to have more fun because it's just like, there's so much more to sort of like discuss and relate your own personal experience to and your mm-hmm. own personal friendships and stuff. Uh, that, that's why the show's so much fun. And it's like water cooler fodder. I mean, like season, I, I, at least I think it, this season will be, I know season one was, I mean, it was the type of thing when season one was going on where like everybody couldn't wait to talk about like, oh, I really like this guy. I'm team this one. I'd I like that one. I think this guy died. I think this one did. I mean, the, the the mystery of who is loaded onto that plane in season one really had everybody all worked up for those that month and a half that it ran in season one. So I think we're going to get something similar in season two. Damn straight, man. All right. Do you want to go to best line of the episode? Do you have any nominees for best line of the episode? I've got a few. Uh, one, my favorite expression I'm going to use, as I already said, going forward, doom scrolling just utterly tickles me. I had no concept that that's what I was doing for the entire pandemic, but good God, was that true? I did a lot of that, for sure. Uh, the opening line, uh, Italy's just so romantic, oh, you're just going to die. They're going to have to drag you out oh. of here. Is just so delightfully on the nose. It's so delightfully winking at the audience that I was eating it up. Um, line from uh, Valentina, uh, she disappeared. She's one fast slut. That just really tickled me <laughs> as, the, as, as uh, Lucy Oof. does the disappearing act. Uh, I see it. You notice I didn't say that line because of how much I like Lucia. <laughs> I didn't want to even say it. Uh, my favorite line, though, just because it made me laugh far and away the moment most, was the conversation between the granddad, the dad, and the son uh, over dinner of where... Oh, boy. Whoa. Uh, look out. No girl should have to be exposed to an old guy's junk. It's not like it was ever so beautiful to look at anyway. I mean, it's a penis. It's not a sunset. I was laughing my ass off with that line. It was even just trying that was to hold, a really funny line. I was even trying to hold my laughter later when you said, to, well, you know, we talk about flirting. It's like, well, it's not like it's a sunset. I'm like dying. I was like, oh, God. Yes, we're going to talk about this later. <laughs> That's true. I did say that. Didn't you I? explicitly <laughs> said sunset. I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> let's make penis comparisons at a later point. Um that's, that's what I got. Those are the lines that I enjoyed most in the episode. I expect you to pick a different one, though, from what we discussed. Um, so, best line of the episode. I got an honorable mention this week. It is, but you are very beautiful. I'm glad you're here. Uh, not because I love the relationship between a John and a, <laughs> and a, and a mistress or anything. I just think that there was, um, that line was telling that there's going to be more to this relationship between these two for this week than just this transactional thing. I think, I think they're going to, they're going to mine this a little bit and it's, it's something to watch it. I kind of threw that line is cause I think it's a bit of a, um, a signal to the audience that we're going to get a lot more in that storyline. I'm with you. I also felt like in that moment, it was one of the most honest interactions between characters we saw in the entire episode. And I really appreciated that from all of the faffing we otherwise got between these people. So 
faffing. That is a lot of what we got. We got 52 minutes of faffing, three minutes of real. Um, best line of the episode, season two, episode one, is Italy is so romantic, you're just going to die. They're going to have to drag you out of here. It was always going to be that line. Yeah. It always had to be that line. Absolutely. Had to so. be, had to be, had to be. All right. Let's go to the part of the episode that I am so excited about, which is worst vacation partner of the week, best vac- vacation partner of the week. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, let's do worst. So I think this show is built okay. around the worst. No, no. Let, worst let, let, vacation let, let, partner end, of the week. Let's end on worst because I, I think the show is built on okay. worst. Let's do best first. Uh, okay. Best vacation partner of the week. Who's your Who's your winner? Uh, I, I've got two different kind of perspectives on this. Uh, literal, I'm traveling with them. Albie. Seems seems like he's a nice kid. Seems like he means well. Seems like he's always here to help out other people. He's one of the few characters we got to see not much of a bad read on him, other than he's a little bit socially awkward, and I can very much sympathize with that. Um, I've got Albie too. Albie, uh, Albie's Albie's the best vacation part of the week. Yeah, because um, he seems reasonable, but he also doesn't seem like he's got to be a social director. Like I feel like Ethan is also reasonable, but he would exhaust me with his need to make everything okay. Whereas Albie can just kind of let it lie. Like, I mean, like that conversation at the table with his granddad about like, does he still masturbate and stuff? That got pretty strange. <laughs> and Albie was willing to just kind of roll with it Keep and let it, it be weird. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the guy you want around. I think I like uh, Albie. Uh, other, other possibility though. And I don't mean this in the nature of her profession, but Lucia seems like she'd actually be a great person to tour, to tour Sicily oh. with. For sure. You, because like, she's the type of vacation partner where it's like, you had the reservation at the inn. You get there at nine o'clock at night. The innkeeper says, sorry, I don't have it on my thing here. You can't check in. And Lucia goes, let me explain something to you. We're going to check into this fucking hotel. Like that is the, <laughs> that's the type of person that she is. And you want that because like, that's the person who makes it all work when, when it starts to go off the rails and you have a bunch of people pleasers like myself, like Lucia is the one standing there going, no, we had a reservation. We're getting in this hotel. I, I think those two are our best vacation partners so far this episode, so far this season. Worst vacation partner of the week. I'm going to go first with a bullet at the very top is Greg. Very I, I top. Can't, it can't be anybody other than Greg. I mean, I've got to fall back are you kidding to me? just to be safe, but it has to be Greg. You're going to give your wife shit about eating the complimentary, complimentary desserts that are in the hotel when she first checked in and for drinking the free champagne. Like, why go on the fucking vacation, Greg? Like, you suck. I don't like Greg. I, I think Greg has to be number one. Who's number two or three, though? I'm curious. Greg. Uh, number two, I would say, is Cameron for, um, I don't know, flashing your wife and hitting on her and running you down the entire fucking vacation i think that is perfectly fair call i'm gonna say somebody different just say somebody different uh bert would get insufferable pretty quick (laughs) bert deserves to be on this list for sure worst worst vacation partner that would be tough because like as much as i've been harping on this thing of like you don't have to control every conversation it would be really hard not to feel the need to pull him back oh yeah it would be tough That'd be hard because he is. Oh my god, is he awkward? Honorable mention: I cannot imagine traveling with Valentina. Can't imagine it. <laughs> I would. It, it, it would be bad very fast. So she she's a winder up. Let her go. Like she's a. Yes. I'm here to let just her do wa- her own I'm thing. here to just watch her. Yeah, I'm not really going to be a part of this. Like I don't want people to really know I'm here with her, but I'm going to watch her deal with everything. Okay, sold. Um, all right. We're going to wrap up here. Who is your prediction after episode one 
for who's going to die. Right. And you, it's got to be at least two. I'm going to go full three. They said few, and I think few means three. So my bet from the hints that we got this episode about people dying, uh, number one with a bullet, um, I'm going Greg. I'm thinking Greg even ahead of Cameron here, even though they give Cameron the most foreshadowing. But my, okay. my, my, my three are Greg, Cameron, and then I'm going to go a little bit of an outside choice and say Dominic. Is I think I, I think we're reading some signs that they may do like a, an, um, an American Beauty kind of thing with Dominic before this series is done. Bert seems okay. too easy. I... Bert seems too easy. Bert's not going to die. Bert, yeah, for that exact reason, they're not going to kill the eighty-year-old. That's too easy. I also don't think they're killing Cameron. I because they did this in season one. They did a lot of foreshadowing that that I think the husband of Tammy Taylor was going to die. He didn't die. They did foreshadowing a lot of characters were going to die in season one that did not die. I think they're misdirecting us with Cameron because I also think that as crazy as Daphne is, I'm not sure she would have been so bubbly if her husband had just died. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I think Cameron either has sex with, um, he is dead to her. Yeah. He's, he either has sex with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Audrey Paz's character. Harper. Or tries to, or, or yeah, harder, uh, or, or tries to, and leaves early. He's out. But by, by the time that Daphne is talking on that beach, he's gone. I think. So my death prediction is Greg, number one. Okay. Ethan. Interesting. I think Ethan's going to die. Interesting. Huh? By yep. who? I'm not, maybe circumstance, maybe nobody kills him. I don't know. But like, I think that he is the one you least suspect. He's the well-meaning guy. And that there's usually a lot of, de- that usually signals a downfall there. Okay. Um, Greg, and then who's your third? I do not in any way want this to happen, but I tragically predict Lucia. Oh, don't do that to me, sir. Don't, I think it's going to hurt. Don't you even threaten that's a possibility. Oh, just, you kidding me? I spent the, I spent the last two hours talking about how much I love this character. I just think that like that's the one that would like if the, the one, anybody that they could kill in this show right now. I think Lucy is the one that would hurt the worst for everybody. I think we could tell that the body in the surf was a guy. Is that a fair read? Yeah, that's Greg. That's Greg. That, yeah, yeah, that, that's totally Greg. Greg. Okay, uh, but yeah, beyond that, we don't even know. We didn't get to see the bodies. And it's did you watch the preview for the next episode? No. Uh, do you did want- you? I did. I, I, I did. Yeah, it. tell me about it. Yeah, I did ahead. it for you, sir. I don't watch previews. Yeah, we gotta on, we got, we've got to get on the same page about this because it seems like every week I watch it, you don't watch okay. it, and vice versa. They, there was a suggestion in the preview that we're going to this this season cut to the week later, more than just at the end. We're going to keep cutting back oh. to, to a certain degree. Oh, I like that. That's that's intriguing. It looked like we got a couple scenes of them still like packing up the bodies and debating what happened. So I think we're going to see more about what the other bodies were and where they were. And that could give us some more hints going forward, too. Interesting. Oh, all right. Yeah, because, I mean, they're going to have to explain two to three deaths, right? So that can't just be like the, like it was the, in the last th- one where it was just a, a massive reveal in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, it's not a surprise knifing of a guy in your room. That this is... It, it, did all these three people die in the same way? Are these completely unrelated events that just happened to happen at the same time? They got a lot to unpack here. Yeah, for sure. Well, we get seven episodes of it, Spencer. <laughs> seven we episodes. We're going extra. deep into we're going deep into December with uh, White Lotus season two. Apparently, when they start, if they kill more characters as the series goes on, we're just gonna get more and more episodes. If we up to five people dead next season. We get we get an episode eight. 
Hell yeah. I'm in for more White Lotus, whatever it takes. I think this is an extremely well done, well produced, well written show. I had a lot of fun with it, Spencer. Anything else to add before we wrap up? No, man. I'm looking forward to it. This was an absolute pleasure of discussion, and I can only imagine next week's going to be the same. Uh, what a hoot and good time it is. We will be back with you probably next Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, with our review of White Lotus Episode 2. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in there with us. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you're enjoying this podcast. 